Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you can hear me okay. Um, welcome to the UDC planning committee meeting. It's two o'clock, so we'll get started. Um, a few points of order before we start. There are no fire alarms intended. So if something does go off, it's the real thing. So please meet outside, congregate on the grass at the front of the building. Um, Anthony substituting today for Paul and John Davy has given his uh, apologies. Any other apologies? No other apologies, okay. Um, can everybody ensure they've turned their mobile phone off, please? Please check and make sure you've done that now. No mobile phones going off, which includes mine. <coughs> Just a reminder, we are recording this live for public consumption. Anybody wish to speak in the 15 minutes allocated at the beginning? No? Okay, we're good on that. Previous minutes? Katrina, not now. Katrina. <coughs> um, previous minutes, can I sign those off, members? Everybody okay? Yeah, okay. Ben? Nothing else? Okay, with that, we will go straight on to the first item. What have I done now? Uh, any declarations of interest, gentlemen, as usual? Yep. Yep. Newport Parish Council. Okay, that's fine. Yep. Yeah, you can do yours specific to the thing. Okay, that's fine. Okay, we'll proceed with the first item Stansted Road. This. DFO application, and I should just mention for housekeeping purposes on the report, you'll see it's an OP on the reference outline. It should in fact be DFO, but uh, I think the proposal is quite clear what this application is proposing. It's for details of layout, scale, appearance and landscaping following the outline permission granted for 20 dwellings and associated works, including garages, open space and services. Their members been to the site this morning so they're familiar with the site and its surroundings. I don't particularly want to go into too much detail about the uh, um, proposal uh, in detail but just to refresh members uh, for the meeting this is the proposed layout and the, the grey uh, dwellings are the market houses three and four bedrooms and the, the brown uh, towards the top is the affordable housing element comprising uh, maisonettes, um, a uh, flat over uh, garage uh, unit and the two bungalows which are um, on the south east side of that. The community centre is not part of this application which uh, uh, you can see uh, notated. So um, the consultations for this application um, have been supportive, uh, have not produced any negative comments uh, in terms of uh, what they've said, although the Parish Council have put in a detailed um, objection uh, regarding this scheme, which uh, you have read, um, which primarily relates to the housing mix um, that was discussed this morning on site, where they want uh, more bungalows, and also reference to aspects such as uh, parking and also the attenuation pond. Just to um, refresh on the house types, this is the typical street scenes and they are um, very similar to those which have been
approved and which are now being built out for phase one Kingswood Park uh, to the immediate north. So it's a mix um, obviously of house types, uh, uh, some constrained possibly or fenestration detail, but uh, they are nevertheless consistent with the theme for King Kingswood Park. Um, and that indicates the, the story heights. Uh, the blue, the majority, are two-storey and uh, the, the yellow or the brown is the bungalows. Uh, there are no um, dwellings exceeding that height on this phase. Um, external works, uh, you can see the Spine Road, Isabel uh, Drive uh, coming up um, on the left-hand side and you'll see that that converts into a, a shared surface parking block paving as it passes down towards the community centre uh, and then you have the return. Uh, just to recall house types, have been through that already uh, and that's the bungalow. Um, just to um, point out that on the landscaping there has been a slight adjustment on the drawings because uh, the original drawings submitted showed a, um, a berry mix which was exceeding the um, percentage for uh, what should be allowed um, underneath the flight path to Stansted Airport. This revised drawing has um, accommodated the uh, advice of the, uh, their own ecologist and also our landscaping officer and now reduces the berry mix uh, to the required minimum um, uh, on that particular um, issue. Otherwise the landscaping has been accepted by our landscaping officer. Um, just really additional drawings because tracking is on the access uh, which was dealt with at uh, outline stage so that doesn't really need to be considered. Street lighting, uh, that's standardised uh, across from phase one and that's been um, accepted by our environmental health officer. So just to uh, refresh members on what they saw this morning, obviously there's a, uh, a compound in the middle there, that's the, the screening on the southeast side uh, where you've got the footpath coming through. That's typical of the entrance to phase one which members were walked up to to get a flavour of what's uh, already being built. That's uh, the corner units uh, which will be reflected on the maisonettes for phase two. As discussed, that's the fog unit. That is identical to what would be proposed for the fog unit for uh, phase two. That is uh, a bungalow, the similar bungalow to be, or the pair of bungalows to be um, constructed for the affordable housing at phase two. Uh, I mentioned about the triple parking uh, because that was raised by one or two members. Um, now you can see that there are typical examples of triple parking uh, in this particular case, a garage and two high standard spaces <coughs> in front. I would emphasise they are either 7 by 3 metre garage spaces or 5.5 by 2.9 hard standing spaces to be compliant with uh, uh, council, uh, county council uh, highway standards. And that's just a picture of the attenuation pond which um, I also showed members and which doesn't actually form part of this DFR application because drainage uh, surface water issues are, are arising from the conditions from the outline permission granted on appeal uh, where those conditions have been uh, subject to a discharge process and in fact uh, the SUDS team at County have now agreed uh, the sustainable drainage scheme. 
So, uh, Chairman, uh, that is the um, uh, scheme and the uh, application report recommends approval subject to, I think, just one condition. Uh, thank you, Mr Theobald. Um, we have two speakers, and I'll start with Councillor Petrina Lees, followed by Ray Houghton, the applicant. Five minutes, Five minutes Petrina. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to speak again. I am representing Alston Parish Council. If you remember in March, I came when I was Chairman of the Parish Council and I asked this committee to be a little bit revolutionary and look for more different type of housing for our, our area and you agreed and refused it and obviously then it went to appeal and they've won. However, I need to say it again, Elson keeps asking for a better housing mix. We have at the moment, have had 165 houses at David Wilson Homes, eight all affordable bungalows. Crest Nicholson, we have eight bungalows, four affordable, four market value. The nursery site has two bungalows, all affordable. We keep asking for affordable bungalows. There are people that want them. I'll give you a couple of examples. I have a disabled policeman, 52, Parkinson's, lives in a four-bedroomed house in Alsa Gardens, would love to move somewhere, is wondering whether he's going to be able to get up his stairlift in a few years' time. There's another lady that's been in the village for over 35 years, brought her family up. She'd like to release her four-bedroomed house. Her very good friends moved to Stansted recently, had to go to a bungalow, and unfortunately, the chap died very soon after moving. So the lady moved, lost all living in where she lived, couldn't say where she was, because it wasn't available. Now, we keep asking, so we're asking again, so there's some reasons. The other thing is, we ask consultation, we're going to consult with everybody, the developers come and consult, and then they go, no, we, we don't want to do that, actually. It's, it's not market valuable. It's not market right. Now, the problem is with that, isn't it? And the report says, um, if I remember, uh, it's very difficult to ask for more bungalows. It's not a realistic probability of a developer readily acceding to this local housing request. Now, if it's a commercial request, <coughs> when did commercial come into planning choices? And frankly, in the Daily Telegraph in June this year, Barrett Homes are on target for their 765 million pound profit. That is what they are forecasting. I think they can take in two little extra bungalows at not making quite so much money, one wonders. Also, at the PPWG, we're talking about when we have the new plan, we really want it to be led by us. We want to give what the people what they want. We're not going to be developer-led. So what does that mean then? The people that are having applications with the piecemeal applications, we will be developer-led. We keep asking. They keep asking. If you remember last time, they were very good and they increased their allocation 100%. One to two. So we're not going to ask you for a lot. We're asking you to increase by 100%. That's two to four. And I promise you they will sell. I can, we can write. I can get people to write, put their name that they would buy one. We are desperate where we are for people to stay in the environment that they've brought their families up in. They want to stay here. People are moving to the area in these new homes and they're saying to me, we would have bought a bungalow if we could. There wasn't any available. We had to buy what there was. Please consider this. Please try and be a little bit revolutionary. 
Elsinore isn't asking for a lot. They've had over 300 houses built. They're just asking, please, could this planning committee give them what they want? Thank you very much. Thank you, Petrina. Um, Mr. Halton? Mr. Halton, you have three minutes. Good afternoon, Chair, members of the committee. Uh, my name is Ray Houghton and I'm Head of the Planning at David Lawson Homes, Eastern Counties. Uh, this reserve matters application has taken a great deal of care to provide a high quality scheme. Uh, the scheme which meets all the standards applied by yourselves, including garden sizes, parking standards and back-to-back -back businesses, for example. The orientation of the layout um, creates uh, active frontages and prioritises the, the retention of the tree belt to the south. Following the outline appeal, the site is now a residential one uh, with a broad mix of housing proposed. As such, the scheme must be considered against the same policies that first apply to all similar housing sites across the district. In fact, the scheme provides a greater number of bungalows than your own guidance requires. We have provided two bungalows, as well as a further ground floor maisonette apartment, which are all disabled accessible. Crucially, the scheme provides a range of house types to encourage a mixed community, supporting a range of ages and stages of life. The benefits for this in the future for occupiers should not be underestimated. Our housing mix is driven not only by the Council's policy and schmar evidence, but our own knowledge of the local market. Whilst the housing mix was, was not fixed by an inspector at the outline stage, any inspector would expect the inspector would inspect the reserve matters to be determined against a sound application of council policy as per paragraph 10 of the inspector's appeal decision. As referenced in the committee report, land is reserved for a future community building to the east and outside of the current application. The proposed layout ensures that the access to the land is readily available. The final position of the access to this land would be for the parish or the district council to select in connection with the building's detailed design. As confirmed by Essex County Council in the committee report summary, there is sufficient width available to accommodate a pedestrian and vehicle access. It is also highlighted that the Suds Pond is obviously in situ, as we've noticed from your site visit this morning, and the principle of this modest 20 unit scheme has already been secured by the outline permission allowed at appeal. This is a reserve matters proposal which provides details of the scale, design and is endorsed by Buttersford Council officers and provides a development that will give a desirable contribution to housing need which is in all our interest to achieve. I therefore respectfully request that you endorse the officer's recommendation for approval. Thank you. Uh, thank you Mr Howe. Uh, we have no other speakers at this time, so um, over to you, committee, for your comments. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. My principal concern is that they go in for trident parking, or double tandem, or whatever, three cars in a row, uh, which may get your numbers up, but it's the most unusable parking system anybody can think of. And all that will happen, Chairman, is that somebody will put a shed onto the third place at the far end of each parking, and then they'll have tandem parking, or they'll park on the street. It seems to be an unrealistic way of getting 
the necessary number of parking spaces. I'm quite sure why we're flicking through. So there we are. That'll do. Yeah. Uh, so that's perhaps not a, a perfect example, but um, three in a, three in a line is a very unworkable. Two in a row is unworkable, and it's disappointing that the design that we're dealing with here has actually gone so far as to put three in. Does it mean in a few months' time we'll be seeing four in a row? Why not? You know, doesn't seem to be any guidance on this. Okay, thank you. Uh, any other speakers at this time? Yes, Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Uh, Mr Chairman, I, I realise all the difficulties that um, we've had various different changes with this application, if I remember rightly. Um, but what I would say to you is, and this is a comment rather than a against, what Councillor Lees is saying is quite true. But she is on the planning policy working group. I hope she keeps banging on about it up there because that's the place to do it. It's very difficult when you have an application like this. And yes, there are certain needs that you know locally are needed, but you have to respect the developer and the developer has the right to put in for what they feel is right and see whether it's approved or refused. So I have will propose improvement on this, but I do take on point the points that Council Lee has said. So that was a proposal, yes? Uh, does that find a seconder? Councillor Higgs. Okay. Uh, seconding, uh, Mr. You're Chairman. seconding, yes? I am. Do you want to speak at this time? Uh, I think the only comment I'd like to make, Chairman, is that we can only look at what's before us. The uh, um, parking comments made about parking by Councillor Freeman obviously are um, pertinent and um, should be considered in the, for the future but at the moment there is no uh, regulation which says that uh, this sort of parking is um, uh, against the regulations and, and as such we, we as a committee have to, uh, have to go with what we have before us and uh, so um, that's the reason I second the um, the um, motion for approval. Okay. Um, from my point of view, I'm, uh, I'm aware that there's an over-allocation of parking on the scheme in general. So although the tandem parking, the three cars behind each other, is, is not our desired uh, system, um, I'm aware that we have got an excess of spaces whereby some of those three spaces are in places where it would only require two. Therefore, it's, uh, it's helping the situation rather than hindering it. And second to that, as far as Councillor Lees goes, I suppose to a certain extent we lost this appeal last time. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm aware of what it says, yes, uh, I, but we did lose it last time and I don't think we have the grounds necessary to go against it again just because of the bungalows. Uh, Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Um, I just want to just clarify once again, um, I've just noted the uh, Parish Council comments regarding housing mix. And can I just... Um, to the PAC point uh, 8.4, 8.5 with regards to the uh, inspector's requirement um, or the suggestion that there should be negotiations regarding the housing mix. Could I just ask for clarification as to the negotiations that actually took place between um, the, uh, the officers and the developer with regards to the housing mix upon the inspector's suggestion? Mr. Theobald? Um, well, I had some conversations with the developer regarding the, the marketing. Um, that simply confirmed what 
uh, that would have been borne out within the uh, findings for this report. Um, I've had eight discussions uh, briefly internally as to what the status is regarding the integrity of parish councils. Um, requirements. So um, I will put my hand on my heart and say I haven't had any uh, detailed negotiations with the developer regarding anything beyond what uh, has been found from the, the market exercise when uh, they said that is what's uh, in demand as a commercial housing scheme. Uh, Mr Brown? Yeah, I was just going to pick up Councillor Chambers' point, to be honest, because I think that's exactly the situation. We have a desired way forward in terms of both in terms of what we want to do about mix, the way we want to do about more bungalows, the way we want to do about trying to hit the issue about whatever the three version of tandem would be, trying to hit those. We all know that that's probably where we want to go and what we want to try to avoid, but we aren't there yet. We have to do it on the basis of the current policies that we have in front of us. Now that's not being slightly shouldered, unfortunately that's being realistic and that's the basis of which any appeal will be judged upon. The issue around mix is also a critical issue um, in terms of the, 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 the pertinent policy for that is policy H10 of the 2005 local plan, which is woefully out. That particular policy is out of date, but it does, and also it's quite weak. Um, it has been successful in terms of how we've implemented it and it says it, you know, anything with more than three dwellings would have required a significant portion of market houses comprising small properties. That is very, very weak, bearing in mind the Shemar is saying because of the success of that policy, there is also a need for the larger houses as well. So it's, it's the new policy in terms of where we're going to be moving is it's going to have a policy that's in line with the Shemar as we go. Um, but again, unfortunately we're not there and that's the frustration at the moment in terms of until the local plan is progressed with those new up-to-date policies on it, we've got nothing to hang any refusal upon, unfortunately, and that's why it's difficult. And that's why we tried the best. We tried our best by hitting it with the owner, the ownership issues, rather than hitting the developer with it, because the developer, quite rightly, has to come on and has to make commercial decisions, and, and that's why you've got a recommendation of approval. <coughs> and just for another point of clarification, uh, Councillor Gerard, basically, the, uh, as I understand it, the housing authority here were in discussions with the developers to the mix for the affordable part of the scheme. So eight out of the 20 units are exactly what our housing department requires. So we've done what we can as far as mitigation goes. Uh, Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. Um, although I'm a colleague of Councillor Lee's, I hadn't, I hadn't heard her speech. But uh, from that, I, I am prepared to be revolutionary here. Um, if, if you look at uh, what the, the, the inspector said, he did expect there to be meaningful negotiations over the provision of bungalows particularly. We have not had that. I would therefore propose that we're moving to a situation where we, we have to take more control of developments. We have to make developers aware that we're not going to sit back and let what a rather mean development take place. I would like to propose that we defer this application until further negotiations take place, looking towards the provision of bungalows which the community wants. I already have a proposal and a seconder basically for the application. Um, I, I hear what you're saying. I think that uh, in the light of the history and the fact that we haven't got any policies to take this or to defend this position on. I mean, I just want to add, pick up the, what, what Clive's just said. Um, there was a pre-application discussion regarding this application. 
for which, um, and it was put forward at the very beginning. Now, although I haven't formally been talking to David Wilson Holmes, I have raised this with them in terms of the issue that this is where we would end up, quite frankly. We had a situation where a, the developer, a, a landowner has sold the land, the developer has picked up a site, and although you have a policy compliant proposal, a very compliant, there's no chinks on this at all, it's a policy compliant proposal, we have mentioned to them there could be a way forward here in trying to over provide bungalows on this one. I respected the developer in terms of turning around and saying they have made a commercial decision on this particular point, but that point was made very clear to them at the very beginning. I can't see how deferring it would result in any further negotiations on making that forward, because I think it would have happened by now had there been any leverage on it. And I think the ultimate sanction would be to refuse it. And I would strongly recommend members don't do that because we've got no policy basis to refuse it on the basis of mix. It is wrong. It is wrong where we've ended up. But I do not think it is the developer's fault. It is the landowner's fault. It is where we were. It is the Crown Estate who sold this landowner. That was the opportunity for us to do something about it. And we did. We tried by refusing it. And it was dismissed. On, it was allowed an appeal. The inspector's comments about mix was it was not something that should have been considered at the outline stage anywhere in the first place. It was an outline application and issues over mix are covered at this stage, um, but the issue over mix has to be considered in the context of the policy basis, and that's where we are. Could I just come back there? That we, as, as Clive admitted, we have not had meaningful discussions and negotiations, which is what the inspectors specifically asked for. I'm calling on this committee to be bold here and try to get the development that the community wants and needs. And maybe we can look at the legal side. Um, I, I know that, the, um, uh, that we've had a proposal in the seconder. If I go for a deferral, maybe we could ask am I allowed to make that proposal. Okay. Um, Councillor Chambers, you wanted to speak. Only, Mr Chairman, much as I, I wouldn't want it to, um, if it has been pr proposed that we defer it and there has been a seconder, then I think you have to take that without discussing any more before you move on, should it be lost, if not. Yes, I have. Mr Hicks did. Bear with us, we're just checking. I'm actually happy. I'm happy to go for a vote on a deferral. I think I've got the for a deferral find a seconder. It does. Okay. In that case, I'm happy to go to a vote for a deferral, okay, as per Councillor Lodge's proposal, and in the event that that fails, then we'll go back to the original vote, okay? So, those in favour of deferral, please show. Three. Okay. And those against, please show. One, two, three, four. <coughs> Five, okay, five, and Mark, yes, yes, okay. 
outside, six against. Okay, so we'll go back to the original vote. All those in favour of approval, please show. I have four, okay. Five, sorry, five. Five in favour. Those against? Three, and I have one abstention. That matter is therefore resolved and the application is approved. Thank you very much. Moving on to the next application. UTT 171652, full application at Woodlands Park, and Mr Theobald will take us through it. Thank you. This full application is for the <coughs> redesigned scheme for a 2005 consented affordable housing project at Sector 3 Woodins Park off Elm Road and uh, the site is as you see here um, where the, the line of the established housing is um, in bold and the grade area has yet to be built. Um, however, the, the infrastructure for Sector 3, um, namely the roads and also um, drainage, has been put in to the extent that the developers, Wickfords, uh, maintain that uh, the commencement of the 2005 scheme for what was approved for 27 one-bed apartments across two blocks, which you can see here where the two blocks are handed with each other, um, with the road leading to another affordable area, which is outside the scope of this application, was lawfully implemented, and therefore that scheme, as approved in 2005, could at any time be constructed by Wickfords if they so chose to do by their nominated housing provider which is in this case Estuary Housing. So what uh, Wickfords have come in for is for a variation effectively of the, uh, the mix um, from 27 one bed apartments, all affordable, all affordable to uh, 22 bed apartments which are in fact for person two bed across the two blocks. So uh, you're losing uh, seven affordable housing units across the site but you are um, gaining in terms of the, uh, the bedrooms, uh, sorry, uh, you're gaining in terms of um, two beds as opposed to one bed where Whitfords make the case in submission that 27 one-bed apartments were 
um, appropriate to housing needs in 2005, but uh, 12 years later, uh, and as reflected by the, the SHLA and other evidence-based um, information, is not now appropriate um, in 2017. That is why they have come in as essentially an upgrade on this approved scheme to where we are now for uh, 22 bed apartments. I'll just run you through um, drawings here. Uh, now, this is the proposed scheme as you would view from the, the top illustration is uh, as viewed from the east connecting Elm Road to essentially what will be sector four. And the middle and uh, bottom uh, are essentially as you look through the road between the two blocks. Now, um, uh, importantly, um, you will see that there are four stories for the two centre blocks facing each other with the, the road going in between. And then it drops down to a uh, three-storey um, on each uh, side as handed. And I'll come back on to that <coughs> later on. Uh, this is uh, just obviously an exploded view of the street elevations. Uh, the blocks would be in traditional materials. Um, roof would be uh, clay interlocking tiles, uh, then smooth render, and also some uh, stucco arrangement for the ground floor, which is essentially typical fenestration and appearance for uh, sectors one and two Woodins Park as built out uh, thus far. Uh, elevations to rear. Uh, floor plans, now these are mirrored on all three floors. Uh, this is uh, the ground floor, not showing actually notated, but um, and you'll see that on the left hand side you've got living rooms uh, facing uh, towards the east. Uh, and on the third and fourth floor you've got the uh, uh, fourth floor which is the living and bedroom two bed apartments which are handed across the entrance to the, uh, the road going in between uh, with a lift provision and uh, I would emphasise at this point there are lifts provided for each block on this site uh, and then it drops down to the, the three storeys as you can see. Um, I'll come back on these drawings because this is important. Uh, this is a flavour of what you see coming down Elm Road, um, looking uh, west towards um, uh, the circus. This is uh, two or three storeys anyway. This is immediately uh, in front of the development site. These are the backs of the two-storey dwellings uh, facing onto what will be that site. This is looking from Elm Road uh, due north towards Sector 4. You can note some tre uh, established trees um, on that side. That is looking uh, straight uh, across to the, the west from the development site. And you can see there are already three-storey um, housing there, which is picked up at the circus there. So you can see there's a mix of both two and three-storey in this area. Uh, 
importantly also this is where you get into the more denser area of Woodlands Park. Uh, this is the three-storey affordable housing area and as you loop round uh, you can see this is the kind of uh, street scene that is there. Um, this uh, site um, I'm talking about is straight across to where that uh, uh, three-storey right in the middle is. As you can see nothing else has yet been built out um, on this area although the roads are in place as previously mentioned and that's just looking across now onto uh, where uh, development exists onto Elm Road and the, the site will be immediately in front of that. So if that gives you a flavour, that's the entrance that the two blocks, one each side of this uh, entrance here, and that's looking down towards where the affordable behind will be. So this is just giving uh, members uh, a feel <coughs> of the proximity of adjacent housing to where this already approved um, two storeys, uh, two blocks of affordable housing will be. I think it's probably the best one to show in terms of impact on adjacent amenity. Okay, so that is the proposed scheme. Now, um, the developer in mitigation are saying, first of all, that the 2005 scheme can be lawfully um, well, it can be built as a result of a lawful commencement of works because of the infrastructure for Sector 3. Now, as importantly for Wickford's case, and as I've mentioned in my report, and I've tried to be um, as objective as possible on this without making Wickford's case, is that the 2005 scheme, which was approved by the Council, um, is for exactly the same place um, as where the two are now proposed. Um, and that is the, uh, the scale of what's been approved. You can see you've got three-storey blocks. They are handed in the same way as uh, the two blocks for the proposed three-stroke four-storey blocks um, as we've now got. And similar kind of layouts with living rooms on uh, here at the second floor and uh, well first and second floor so if members can hold that um, in their minds for the uh, the merits of the current application I'll just go back to the site plan that is the site plan that's probably the best one uh, to look at um, and that is a comparison between what was approved in 2005 the uh, two, three-storey, and this is now the three-stroke, four-storey in the centre. So that's the comparison between the two schemes. Now, um, the recommendation is for approval uh, on the basis of what uh, Whitfield's maintain is the fallback position. Um, also that the 2005 scheme was assessed by the Council under the Essex Design Guide principles for layout, design and impact on uh, residential amenity. Um, the previous scheme had uh, a one-to-one -one parking ratio, so therefore 100% parking provision across the site. Now, uh, this um, 
application and you have had a sub-rep from Wickford's which has um, uh, corrected something I put into my report where whilst I recognised that there is 150% um, parking provision um, therefore not on a, um, a, a, a in this case a two for two basis which is required in normal circumstances um, it is a 1.5 spaces per dwelling equivalent on the parking ratio as opposed to I believe one space which I incorrectly mentioned in my report so that's just correcting on housekeeping essentially what it means is that whereas they would normally be required to provide 40 spaces across the two blocks within those two areas as approved by the 2005 scheme um, on 150% ratio they can provide 30 spaces hence the 1.5 uh, spaces per dwelling as now um, uh, submitted the improvement they mention is that uh, this scheme as you can see from uh, this layout plan um, you have two visitor parking spaces opposite each other on that shared um, apron between the two blocks as you can see um, going off each, each side so um, in the report it mentions it does recognize the fact that the parking provision is obviously below standard um, but uh, given the sustainable location of Woodlands Park um, it is um, recommended on that stage of the report that the parking provision um, is acceptable um, in terms of communal amenity space per block uh, the requirement is for 25 square meters per um, per per flat um, if it's a two bed then it's um, up to 50 but in this particular case uh, it's just very short on the amenity provision um, although there are some areas which um, I, I'm given to understand are not uh, defensible spaces therefore it's an accumulative aggregate total across the, the green areas now um, in terms of the design um, it is considered that this uh, design of the blocks which obviously um, has an additional story uh, to accommodate the, um, the change in the housing mix is actually a, a better presented scheme in terms of the uh, proportions of scale and in terms of articulation of uh, the building elements to the rather uh, lumpy uh, scheme which um, I showed you uh, which is the 2005 scheme so in terms of the way in which um, the, uh, the apartments have been broken down with the symmetry with the, the handy detail <coughs> across the entrance road it is recommended that the design in itself uh, with the pallet of materials is acceptable for this location and is an improvement on the previous scheme now, um, as far as the amenity of residents um, on either side is concerned, um, this has been produced, this plan, to show the relative separation distances from the two blocks. Um, and that's also um, showing across the, the front of the site uh, to the what's shown as approved future phase you can see on the, the right hand side across uh, the road which has been put in 
um, because nothing is being built, as you saw from the photographs as yet. Um, the existing occupied is shown greyed out, as you can see, along Elm Road, along the bottom. Um, there are uh, 15 metre, I'm just going to refer to my, my drawing, it's, it's closer up. Um, there's 12.6 metre distance shown uh, for the, the southern block onto the grade area and uh, on the bottom you've got the terrace of three storey. Uh, that is slightly below the standard and then on the northern side to the top uh, that is 13 metres and, and that should be 15 metres. Now across to the approved future phase because you've got living rooms on the <coughs> second and third floor on the front, uh, the S design guide does say it should be 30 <coughs> metres and uh, that does to an extent um, cut across some of the rear gardens of the approved future phases. Um, similarly, there are some living rooms at the left hand side of the two blocks as you see, uh, which could impact upon uh, neighbours either side. <coughs> Um, although probably more critically on the northern side there with the shorter distance. Now, um, the officer recommendation has been put for approval on the basis that uh, uh, there is a potentially fallback position that the applicants could exercise. Whether or not they would exercise that fallback position I think is, a, is subject to some conjecture particularly given regard to the change in the housing mix because obviously they wouldn't be coming in with this application now um, had it been appropriate still with the bunk bed apartments. Um, I mentioned parking and I've mentioned also the community amenity and the design and uh, the officer recommendation is on balance a recommendation for approval um, and if the application should be approved by members today, then there will be a requirement for the existing Section 106 agreement, which relates to Sector 3, which also relates to the affordable housing element for Sector 3 to be varied, to be changed from um, 27 uh, one-bed apartments to what is now being proposed to be 21-bed apartments. <coughs> um, that will be subject to a draft agreement the uh, report states that the uh, Section 106 agreement should be completed by the 31st of January. Uh, you will note in the sub-rep uh, received that the applicant feels that that is too short a time, bearing in mind the Christmas and New Year period, for the agreement to be completed. Um, but that is what the officer report mm -hmm. states. So, uh, subject to Section 106 agreement being varied, Chairman, this application uh, for the variation scheme is being recommended for approval. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr Theobald. Uh, we have no speakers on this matter, so uh, I will throw it over to the committee and Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. <coughs> Can we see the elevations again, please? Thank you. Uh, obviously, computer graphics has advanced since 2005. Uh, the previous scheme looked rather less attractive for this. This looks good. However, I notice under the conditions in the Office of Recommendations uh, that item, condition 4, page 45 of the report, uh, mentions that lifts should be incorporated. It would be absurd, Chairman, for lifts not to be a, a major feature. Can we go back to the elevations, please? Thank you. 
Uh, it would be absurd, Chairman, for lifts not to be uh, a feature, a fixed feature of uh, this development. It's four-storey on one side, it's three-storey on the other. Uh, we've passed out of the time where people were expected to drag pushchairs and things upstairs. Uh, so I know, Chairman, that sometimes conditions don't get met or they get excluded from the planning consent. Can we have an assurance that this condition for lifts will be maintained and will be enforced? It is most important. Well, as a planning condition, so if it's... Um if members approve this with that condition, the condition will go through. And if, if the applicant wished to vary it, he would have to apply to vary it. It'll come straight back here again. So yes, you have that assurance. Thank you. Uh, anybody else? No. Okay. Um, I'll throw my two pennyworth in then. I'm a little bit concerned about the parking. I'm not necessarily sure why we should be. Uh, going to one and a half spaces when we've got two bedroom properties which should have two. We are ten spaces short in the light of the fact that the owner actually, well, six if you use the other four, okay, we are six short. Um, in the light of the fact that the rest of the development hasn't been built yet, I would have thought it would have been possible to actually just take one unit off and provide the parking that we require. But um, notwithstanding that, I'm aware that the uh, demand for the two bed units is now superseding that for one bed. Uh, and we have got a requirement for this. Um, I'm also a little bit concerned about the amenity space. But in general, if nobody else has any comments, do I find anybody recommending for approval? Okay, Councillor Wells, you're happy to uh, propose, and Councillor Lemon, you're happy to second. All right, all those in favour of approval, please show. Okay, we have a unanimous decision. That is approved. We're just looking for the case officer, I believe. So if you bear with us a second. Councillor Chambers, do you need a minute? Go and repark your car. Go and park your car. We're just going to take a couple of minutes, ladies and gentlemen, while we're waiting for the relevant officer. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, 
uh, UTT 172624, full application for land to the rear of Little Maypole, and Peter McAvoy to take us through it. Thank you, Chair. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, this is a revised application for one that was, um, the committee might remember, was refused in May 2017. Um, it is on land to the rear of Little Maypole, which is on the um, northern boundary, settlement boundary of um, Thaxstead. Um, the site at the moment is a rather overgrown field, though there, are arable, there is arable land. Um, behind it, um, it would effectively infill a gap um, between the 80s, 90s development in Clare Court and the more recent development in Little Maypole. Um, the original scheme was for three um, blocks of three houses. Um, however, committee in May decided to refuse the application due to size, scale and height and also the impact on residential amenity and the occupiers in Clare Court, specifically um, numbers 17, 16 and 15. Um, following the refusal, um, the applicant has simultaneously submitted a revised scheme, which is before us today, and he has also um, appealed as well against the uh, original decision. Um, the revisions, um, you can have a look at the master plan, um, now involve uh, eight dwellings, a block of three, block of two, and another block of three, so there's one less dwelling. Um, the maximum height of the original scheme was around about 8.4 metres. That's now been reduced to 7.4 metres. Um, the dwellings have been pulled in from the boundary. Um, originally, they were very close to the northern and southern um, perimeter of the site. Um, it's now been brought in. Obviously, it varies a little bit, um, but you're looking around between three to um, four metres. The design <coughs> is um, of a rather modern look. Um, it carries over some of the design themes of the earlier scheme. However, um, it has probably less visual impact by reason of a lower ridge height. Um, I think it's also fair to say that there has been considerable um, concern from residents of Thaxted regarding this scheme. Um, we have received nearly 200 um, letters of objection, um, which are summarised in the report. We also received a comment from a councillor this morning regarding um, concerns that it, the development would mar the view of um, viewpoints towards the church. Um, the scheme, just go back, I've lost it. I think you see the scheme is for um, substantial market uh, housing dwellings, um, there would be no affordable housing on it. Um, some of the concerns expressed do relate to visual impact of the primary viewpoints um, towards the church and the windmill. Um, the appearance is too modern um, and the amendments do not go far enough. Um, some concerns have also been expressed regarding um, compliance with the local plan policy S7. However, these have been addressed in the report. Um, there is also concerns uh, regarding non-compliance with the emerging um, neighbourhood plan for Thaxted 
Again, that's been addressed in the report regarding how much weight we can give to the plan at this stage. Um, certainly, if you were to ask me the question in, say, 12 months' time, perhaps the answer would be very different. Um, and that, essentially, is the application. Uh, thank you, Peter. Uh, we have several speakers on this, so I'm going to start, or I'll list them in order. Can I start with David McPherson, please, followed by Tom Wilson. Three minutes. Thank you, David. You have three minutes. Okay, thanks. Um, so I'm, I'm a local resident who's, who lives on Clare Court, whose property borders the application site. Uh, whilst the reduction in height uh, of the buildings and uh, moving it slightly away from the boundary uh, goes some way to meeting our concerns, I think there are still some issues around the height and the close proximity to the boundary. Uh, that would result in loss of amenity value to residents of Clare Court and I think more could be done to address our concerns. Uh, committee members will be aware of an earlier uh, approved but expired planning consent on this, on this site for a single storey respite care centre. Uh, that was for a, a six metre high building five metres away from the boundary. This uh, current application is for a, a building at 7.5 metres in height and three to four metres away from the boundary. The apparent height of the buildings is also increased as the land slopes towards the south and the west, and the slope continues on into Clare Court. And this, this point has not been addressed either in the application or in the officer's report. The buildings would be on land that is approximately 0.8 to 2 metres higher than 15 Clare Court. My, my own house at fifth, number 15 is cut into the slope and there's a step up to the garden which then slopes up to, towards the proposed housing. The approved rescue plan that I referred to had a, a planning condition that asked the applicants to take advantage of the ground levels on the site to set the building into the slope and the reason being was to protect the amenity value of neighbouring properties. Now, if, if the committee are minded to approve this application, I would request that they would consider a similar planning condition to set the current buildings into the slope of the land. The applicants themselves in their appeal statement said that they would be willing to do this if it was felt necessary to gain permission. Uh, there are further concerns about privacy and overlooking from the development. There is a bedroom window and a kitchen door in the southern elevation of plot one that overlooks the gardens of Clare Court. I think this should either be removed, the window should be removed or frosted to maintain the privacy of residents. Um, I'll move on to landscaping now. I mean, the current boundary between my own house and the site is a deciduous hedge and is transparent at this time of year. The proposed landscape, landscaping scheme uses saplings which would take many years to mature but to become an effective screen for the neighbouring properties. My final point is around the broader landscaping of the site. Uh, the applicants say that their development and landscape scheme will enhance the poor quality landscape setting of the current Little Maypole development. However, I would remind the committee that the approval of the Little Maypole development came with a landscaping condition. And the reason for this, and I'll quote from the decision notice, was that the landscaping of this site is required in order to protect and enhance the existing visual character of the area 
and to reduce the visual and environmental impacts of the development hereby permitted. Now, 10 years on, it's obvious that that planning condition has not been implemented properly, and the applicants appear to be using this to their advantage. Uh, the current proposal was designed to fit in with the surroundings of the Little Maypole landscaping scheme, and had that been implemented, we may be looking at a different design for the scheme today. This proposal is just transferring the street scene to the countryside and then proposing a landscape scheme to mitigate that. This doesn't sound like good design to me and I think Thaxted deserves better. Also, how can we ensure that the current proposed landscaping scheme for this application will be implemented properly? So to sum up, I think some, a better development could be put on this side and with reference to paragraph 9.3 of the officer's report it appears that this planning authority are also not happy with several aspects of the application and I would respectfully ask the committee to refuse the application. Thank you. <coughs> Thanks Mr McPherson. Um, Tom Wilson. Tom you have three minutes I'll try and hold you to it if that's okay. Yes, thank you, Mr. Chairman, councillors. Uh, do I have to press a button here? No, it's gone. Uh, my name is Tom Wilson. I'm a resident of Facts. I'm also a member of uh, uh, HOT, Hands Off Facts, a group which represents many Faxford residents. Faxford residents feel that they are the custodians of a very special historic village, and I know that Uttlesford agrees. I know this because in 2009 uh, Historic Settlement Car assessment, Character Assessment of Uttlesford, UDC cites Faxford as one of the finest examples of a small market town in the east of England and is of the highest environmental quality. You will all have no doubt heard lots of quotes from uh, John Betjeman, Simon Jenkins and lots of other people extolling Faxford's virtues. In the last five years, we have had an increase uh, of 200 houses in Faxford agreed by UDC, including many three or four bedroom houses. This represents 15% of our total housing. Faxted is now at a tipping point. This level of development cannot be sustained without irreparably harming Faxted. The setting of the village is very important. When walkers approach or a coachload of tourists arrive, one of the first things they notice is that they come to, from the countryside very quickly into the heart of a medieval village without passing acres of housing estates. If they wanted that experience, they could put a bus in Crawley which uh, 80 years ago was a medieval town, the size of Faxted. In my letter of response to this application, I pointed out an inconsistency with the mock-up of the pictures of the development, which showed that they under-represent the visual impact of this development. To illustrate this further, David and I um, got a 7.4 metre pole, uh, put a flag on the top of it and on the, his boundary fence, and took some photographs from around the field. And I have mocked up a, a, a more accurate um, representation of uh, how the development would look, but uh, I, unfortunately I'm not allowed to show you it. Um, this development will seriously harm Faxford. The evidence could not be more clear. Faxford residents have always cherished this entrance to the village, and the Faxford community is shouting this to you. Furthermore, we have produced lots of good planning evidence, such as the Liz Lake report, and part of this site is clearly included in that report. Your own landscape officer's report uh, and the Gladden report, etc., etc., we've all mentioned this lots of times, is all telling you how damaging this is to Faxford, both socially and environmentally. In the previous committee, you advised the developer to go and talk with the community. They chose not to do this. What they have done is a bit of tinkering around the edges, 
and presenting essentially the same package back to you. In the application, the developer said that the development meets a social role of sustainability because it provides much needed housing. However, when this argument is used, it has to be viewed in the local context. Otherwise, it could be used for any housing application anywhere, even a block of flats in the outer, outer Hebrides. We have shown in the preparation of our neighbourhood plan that we do have places in Thaxted which could be built on, um, but this is not the type of housing that Thaxted needs. So it does not fill a social role of sustainable development. I'm passionate about sustainable development. It is, after all, our only hope for the future. Not every house building proposal is sustainable, and this one fails on environmental and social grounds. As the only economic benefit is to the developer, this development cannot be said to be sustainable, and therefore there is no presumption in favour of it, and it should be refused. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Wilson. Um, Katrina Moore? I'm sorry, I've probably pronounced that wrong. You have three minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, um, councillors. Uh, this application, when it first came in front of the planning committee in May, was refused on the grounds of design. The adverse impact on the landscape, which had twice been reported as significant by the landscape officer, was also raised as a matter of concern to the committee, but you were advised that one good refusal is good enough. So I'm going to stick to that one good refusal, that one good reason for refusal, design. The design of these houses could have been changed by the applicant to meet the objections raised by the parish council, district council planning officers, and Thackstead residents. The height of the roofs is still too high, and the applicants refused to change the modern design. Nobody likes it. 199 letters have been written by residents objecting to it. If this second application is approved by committee, it will mean that the views of the people of Thaxted and the advice of UDC planners have been treated with contempt. Planning is a process that involves planning authorities and the community. The MPPF says right at the beginning, planning should be a collective exercise intended to include people and communities. It is not supposed to be dictated by the developer. That's not in the MPPF, that's me. UDC planners have recommended approval for this plan, which seems a bit contrary on the face of it, but they approved it last time, so they have little option. And they also had the problem of the lack of a five-year land supply this time, which puts huge pressure on them. And this leads to some conclusions within the report, which is otherwise extremely comprehensive and balanced, which don't quite add up. Things like 1014, some harm to the environment would still arise from the development. Got no weight now. Uh, 1021, the proposal does contain some measures to mitigate the impact of the development upon the wider countryside, but it would still be visible from a number of public vantage points. No weight. 1032, the landscape officer has not revised his view that the proposed housing would have visual prominence goes on to say, maintaining the open rural character of this part of Chelmer Valley is considered to be of particular importance in retaining the sensitive relationship between the village and the rural setting. No relevance. I could go on, but a major tragedy has to be averted in three minutes. There is a way out. This development 
is in the worst part of the field in which to build because it's the highest point. These houses are proposed to be built on a rise, forming a skyline of pointed roofs in front of an iconic view of the medieval village of Thaxted and its 14th century church from the Chelmer Valley. One resident has described them as beach huts sitting on top of a sand dune. Please, committee, send the developer back to think again. The roofs are still too high. If six metres and five two metres near Clare Court was regarded as the optimum height for the respite centre, that should be the limit for these houses. The landscape hasn't changed at all. The officer's report states that in designing new houses, reference should be made to the Thaxted design statement. This, like everything else, has been ignored by the developer. Everyone except the developer thinks the modern design is totally inappropriate and would result in a development being detrimental to the character and appearance of the surrounding area and street scene. That's in the developer's, uh, sorry, that, that's in the officer's words. Appropriate houses could still be built on this location if the developer would cooperate with the parish council and the community with particular attention paid to the ridge height of the roofs and design of the houses in the conditions. That will be in keeping the UDC's vision statement which puts extensive consultation with stakeholders and community at its heart. Listening. Thank you, Petrina. Um, Richard Haynes. And you also have a flexible three minutes. Flexible, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I um, prefer Richard Haynes, I'm, to I'm, I'm representing the Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group. Um, can I just first of all clarify um, one thing that I think is a mistake in both the officer's report and the planning statement, which is that the Neighbourhood Plan is at its early stages. It's not at its early stages. Uh, we've had two years of um, community involvement. Uh, we're now at the stage where we have a final draft. All the comments of Uttlesford's relevant officers have been included, and it's ready to go out to formal consultation prior to um, going to examination. So I think that it is a relevant issue here and should be taken seriously. Um, we have met with the developers. We have said what the neighbourhood plan is suggesting. Bungalows, because of the sensitive location, the fact that it's at the top of the hill in the Chalmer Valley, very, very sensitive landscape. <coughs> the developer responded that it is not feasible or suitable. There is no evidence to say why it is not feasible. Clearly, it is viable in, in uh, financial terms, and um, he, so he does not provide any indication of why it's not suitable. Um, what we have done as part of the neighbourhood plan process is to commission a, a very authoritative landscape survey from Liz Lake Associates. Um, this has a view looking directly across this site, uh, which it says is particularly sensitive to change. So um, we believe that is very relevant um, evidence, which is also backed up by Uttlesford's own landscape officer's comments. Uh, it's also supported by the comments of the Gladman inspector, which I'm sure you are aware of, who said that no houses on that site would be appropriate. Um, just finally with regard to landscape, which I think is particularly important here. Um, the applicants have responded since their, um, their last uh, application with a landscape report of their own. Um, what we have been saying is that this site needs to be screened. Bungalows to keep it low, screening to, to soften them. 
What they have done is to look at the western boundary and the northern boundary, which are the two sensitive boundaries. For the western boundary, there is the most astonishing statement, which says there should be no intention of trying to hide views either into or out of this site. I mean, that is unbelievable. The northern boundary, they've been a bit more generous. They've proposed planting and semi-mature trees. But when you look at it, the semi-mature trees are 20 to 25 centimetres. The hedgerow planting is between 75 and 120 centimetres. It's going to take 15 or 20 years for that to have any effect at all. When I look at this scheme, it really is so like the other one, which you refused, and I cannot see any reason for supporting this scheme given the design problems with the last one. This has exactly the same impact on the landscape, and uh, Thaxid is entirely against it. So, thank you very much indeed. Uh, thank you, Mr. Haynes. Uh, Mr. Frazier? Good afternoon. Three minutes, Mr. Frazier. Um, I speak on behalf of Thaxted Parish Council. Um, I don't want to reiterate what my colleagues have said, but Thaxted Parish Council is slightly confused by the fact that this application has got this far. This is a site. Um, was considered for um, a respite centre and that was considered as a special rural exception scheme. Um, the scheme you have ahead of you is a purely residential scheme. We have spoke with the developers and said if you are going to put an, an application in, I'll repeat what's been said previously, that's just run out for one two bedroom houses, multiple houses or any one or two bedroom house of any nature and bungalows. We want to keep the old people in Thaxted and they want to live in bungalows, they have the money to afford them. We want to keep the young people in Thaxted, um, people starting families, people starting homes. We do not need more three-bedroom homes. We're also confused as to why this site or the plans ahead of you um, are not actually copied or are not on the footprint of the previous site. Um, Two-thirds of this is outside of what was previously um, put in in a respite centre. There is some confusion as to the applicant believes the respite centre scheme was started. We have asked them to show the Parish Council evidence from your own planning department to say that you consider that scheme to be started. We've seen no evidence of this. Also, we go back to the Gladman appeal, which was on this, the land adjacent to this site. You used the phrase, this was infill earlier on. It's not infill, it's just an extension of the development on this field. The Gladman appeal cost the people of Thaxter, the parish council, the residents nearly £30,000. It cost us, the district council, a whole lot more than that. The owner of the adjacent land is watching this like a hawk. If you, from what we see as go against your own planning policies and agree to this, you will open up the door to developers, speculative developers, which will then place ourselves in Thaxter Parish Council, hands off Thaxter, Neighbourhood Planning Committee and your own selves in a place where you're going to be challenged. Why have you allowed development on this? It's the development tax it doesn't need. We have ample sites coming up. There's applications in the South at the moment for development tax that we accept we need and we can take housing. This is not a site we need. We do not need these properties on here. We ask you to consider the fuller pitch. And finally, Chair, I will remind you that the land or that at the bottom of this land, there is a roadway that was originally a main roadway out of Thaxa. It's mentioned in the Doomsday Book. It then leads up to the western side of the Chelmer Valley, the site of previous windmills. They too are mentioned in various maps dating back from 
doomsday up to 1300 to 1400. And as you look across from this valley, you'll see that this, unfortunately the scenery has been blighted by Little Maypole. It came up before. In hindsight, the Little Maypole shouldn't have been built. We can't change that. We can't change the past. We can change the future. The valley that this faces this with the ancient roadways and ancient um, paths and everything through there, they should be protected and should be the view from that. So would you please think about this and please turn this down to the people of that. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr Brazier. Um, now we have one final speaker who actually has 15 minutes as we take a cumulative amount. Uh, Mr Wynne? I'm sure you won't be taking 15 minutes. Hi. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon, Chair and uh, members of the committee. Thanks for the opportunity to speak today. Um, obviously, I'm following five objections, and obviously we, we recognise the extent of objections uh, last time and this time round. Hence why we met with the Parish Council after the refusal, had a productive meeting, but obviously followed that with a meeting with the District Council as they are the, the uh, decision makers in the case, um, talked through what revisions could be made to overcome the two reasons for refusal, um, and uh, there was two comings and goings between um, revisions to plans, and we submitted the plan that's subject of this application now to the planning officer where he confirmed in his view, and it's in writing, that it overcome the reasons for refusal. I hear there's objections on landscape, um, the uh, respite centre, the similar concerns that were raised before, but at the last committee these reasons did not form uh, part of the refusal. For the, it was a, a design-based reason, quoting GN2, um, and uh, the outlook of the adjoining neighbours. So they're the issues we sought to address in the revised application. And obviously following a positive result for, or positive response from the planning officer, uh, we then um, sort of uh, submitted the revised scheme whereby the development was re um, reduced to eight um, three-bedroom homes, which created more separation from boundaries. It also allowed uh, a much um, broader um, landscape buffer um, up to four metres on the northern boundary, um, a change of materiality with render instead of black weatherboarding, a uh, reduction in height by around a metre and a change in the roof profile which reduced the bulk at first floor level. Um, it has um, uh, allowed also uh, on-plot parking whereby uh, mature tree planting and on, uh, can take place to the front of the site. And I think there's been a bit of misunderstanding on the, um, the landscape assessment and the specification which was um, submitted. Um, it, it includes uh, semi-mature trees and standard trees um, and the measurements were girth, not height. So although the hedge plants will be uh, 70 to 100 uh, mil uh, hedgerows, the actual uh, standard trees will be um, to, um, around 8 to 10 foot uh, trees with semi-mature um, specimens up to three to four metres and that's set out in the document. Um, so on planting, uh, these trees will be nearly two-thirds of the height of the proposed development on planting and it will provide a thick buffer and that is uh, continued all the way around the site, not just on the northern boundary. If you read the specification again, it shows um, 
canopy trees, hedgerows, not just a hedgerow, canopy trees all the way round, specimens where they're suitable for rear gardens like alder, which have a narrow canopy, so it would be a, um, create a nice uh, natural screen to the development um, in time. Um, so obviously, uh, in our view, we've overcome the two reasons why the application was refused. Obviously, we've um, heard some comments today about levels, landscaping management, um, and as we said in our appeal statement, we, um, we would be happy with a conditional level, so final site levels could be agreed with the council. So if you wanted the, the units dug into the slope more than what's shown, then we are open to that. Um, in any case, the, the drop in the retrite is, will mean they're lower than Clare Court. So obviously the, the housing supply um, test um, last time round, I think the housing supply um, situation had just arrived. Um, obviously that is still in play and obviously the, the, the test is, are there, is there significant harm that outweighs the benefits? And our view is there's many benefits. There's eight uh, family homes that meet exactly the type of houses um, um, set out in your housing assessment. Um, they can be delivered quickly, they're, they're funded in place, and obviously the, the landscape context is a, is a key part of that, um, of, of that scheme and we would support a management plan to make sure that was um, um, managed in perpetuity. Um, obviously your planning officer has set out a positive conclusion and, and I hope you can support his view and obviously the original pre-application advice that was given to us. As obviously our client has, has essentially tried to work with the council, the appeal was submitted because we were coming to the end of the six month period so we were protecting that position but obviously if permission was granted today then we would consider uh, withdrawal because all through this process we've tried to work with the council, we've got pre-application advice, we've followed that to the letter. And that, that is all you can do as an as a, um, applicant. Um, and I'd just like to touch on uh, just a couple of points made by other speakers before. Obviously the neighbourhood plan, I appreciate all the work that goes into that and the dedication of people that um, take on that, uh, that role. But from, from our perspective, we have asked for a copy of this for a number of months, it, it isn't in the public domain, so we haven't had the opportunity to see what the policies are, what the, um, what, what the approach to the site is. Obviously the Liz Lake assessment is, is, in, is in the public domain, but that, that is a, lot, a broader assessment. It doesn't mean anything in that um, capacity area, there's no development or low development. There's a point um, in any uh, landscape assessment parcel that could be acceptable for development. And obviously our view is, and the planning officer's view, is that it's a, a contained site surrounded by residential development with the landscaping, which is a lot broader than it was on the last application. It can assimilate itself into the, um, into the landscape. So in, in, in wrapping up, um, I do hope you can support your planning officer's recommendation. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Mr. Wynne. Um, right, we've heard all the speakers now, so uh, committee, over to you for your comments. Anybody like to start? Councillor Gerard and then Councillor Wells. Thank you very much. Um, I find myself um, seeing very many similarities between my own ward and Newport, where 
We have similar issues with, obviously, an emerging neighbourhood plan, um, not yet adopted. Um, but in this case, um, I would like just to draw attention, if I may, to the issue of the NPPF and whether or not this proposal is actually a sustainable development. Um, I don't think it is. I think it's, I think the, from what I have read, witnessed and seen, experienced here, and the reading, I think that the harms outweigh the benefits. I think it's a significant and, and demonstrable. I don't see how the benefits might outweigh the harms. And on that basis, I would suggest that the members consider that this is not a sustainable development. Um, I think that there are many issues within the emerging neighbourhood plan that do carry weight and should carry weight at the stage that it's at. Um, and I would propose that the members consider this unsustainable and therefore to be refused. Um, thanks, Councillor Gerard. Could you please turn off the mic from the speakers because it's affecting your mic? And Councillor Wells. Yes, thank you. Um, I can't pretend that I like this development. And whilst I accept the principle of the development, I think it's a great shame that the... Uh, I mean, I hear a lot of the objections and I think it's a great shame that the aim of the developer and the objectives, there can't be some coming together and overcoming some difficult problems. Well, the ridge height, the modern design, the marring of views, those things could surely be addressed if there was discussion. But one thing I did want to ask, um, said it's gone to appeal, and if the appeal was successful, the agents said they would withdraw, but is that set in stone? How does that work? If this was refused today, for example, or we accepted it today and we passed it. Okay, I'll, I'll ask uh, Mr. Brown just to clarify that. Right. We've got two, I mean, we've got a current appeal. So if members, if members were mindful to approve this, then that appeal would still carry on unless the agent decided he was going to withdraw the appeal. So you could, you know, and that's why if there's a fundamental difference between the two schemes, you could approve today and the appeal could go. The, 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 the applicant has indicated that they would consider the route. The words he just said was consider the withdrawal of the appeal, not to withdraw the appeal. Um, but even if he had said that, but anyway, the appeal is a separate issue. He doesn't have to withdraw the appeal. The appeal can carry on. If members refused it today, um, the way the inspector usually works it, that this particular refusal could be back on the back of the other appeal. In fact, basically the plans if the reasons for refusal were similar to last time, which I would envisage if members were going to refuse this, it would be very similar to last time, then this, this, the ref, this application would be piggybacked onto the back of the other appeal. That's down to where, how the appellant wants to approach it. I wouldn't have any objections to that if they, if they wanted to piggyback that on, but that's how it's done. So the appeal is a separate process, and it will still sit there. By approving it today, it would not automatically result in the appeal being abandoned the other end. That could continue. Hopefully that's clear. Could I back on that? Yeah. So, uh, assuming it was approved today, is there any way that one could ensure that the approval that we've given today goes ahead and the appeal does not? The agent indicates that they would consider withdrawing it, but 
I, I don't know. I'm going to ask Mr. Brown again because I don't know if it's possible to condition one thing on the basis of another, you and I don't believe it is. You can't take away um, any statutory rights that someone has, which is if they've got an appeal and they've got the right to appeal. Whatever said in this chamber today, that appeal will still remain, and unless it's been withdrawn, um, it will still remain. So, by proving it today, the appeal we could not insist that the other appeal is withdrawn. That that, that that's a statutory right that they, they, they they've got the, the right to retain. Okay. Uh, Councillor Lachlan first, then you, Councillor Freeman. Thank you. Um, well, I will say something about it being outside development limits, and uh, usually I'm told, well, we haven't got our five-year land supply, and that doesn't count. Um, but sometimes, um, you know, I, well, I feel that a planning application is sufficiently bad that um, I could not vote for something, even if it was... Uh, uh, didn't contribute to our five-year land supply. But I would like to ask, we haven't had a picture of the design up. Um, is it possible to? Yeah. Uh, and I know that design is subjective, um, but looking at the MPPF, it says, um, if I can find it now, write it down. Um, the government attaches great importance to the design of the built environment. Good design is a key aspect of sustainable development, is indivisible from good planning and should contribute positively to making places better for people. And, and in my opinion, I don't think this does. Also, I'm very concerned at the UDC uh, landscape officer's uh, comments um, where he says the proposed uh, development would be visually detrimentally on the qualities of the site and surrounding area. And again, in the MPPF, it says, um, conserving and enhancing the natural environment, protecting and enhancing valued landscapes, geological conservation interests and soils. Well, I know two of them don't apply, but the landscape certainly does. And uh, we, we know that that has a nice side. You overlooked, I think you're looking over to the windmill and the church, um, which you, you can't replace these things. And once uh, a, something like this, a development goes up, it's there forever. Nobody's going to demolish it. So that will be gone and lost. And uh, on that basis, and all, everything that I've said so far, and I could find more, and I would go with uh, Councillor Lodge will like this, S7, and um, Gen 2, I think both of those we could use as reasons for refusal if we were so minded to do that. And I'll have a word with Mr. Brown. Come on to Gen 7, uh, come on to S7 in a moment. I mean, this is an easy application, to be frank, because this is a continuation of a discussion that we had in terms of the previous application. Previous application was submitted, members refused it, and on page 51, is that, Peter, is that the actual refusal reasons? Because there doesn't seem to be any policies on it, and basically, the, the committee refused the application for the dwelling's inappropriate size and scale and excessive height resulting in the development being detrimental to the character and appearance of the surrounding area and the street scene, and also the proposed dwelling scale in close proximity to the nearby properties of the Clare Court result in an intrusive and unneighbourly development which would cause an overbearing and harmful effect to the amenities of the adjoining property occupiers. Uh, yes, it is. It's right. cut, copy and paste, yes. but I didn't include the, um, the reason behind it, just simply for brevity. Yeah. So you, yeah. So I think in terms of in terms of Gen 2, it's inappropriate design. In terms of S7, S7 is only partially compliant with the the MPPF. 
Chairman. <clears throat> I find it very difficult um, with this one from the Office of Recommendation. Um, that's their professional opinion and they're entitled and that's what we pay them to do. But in certain circumstances, I think we as members do have a duty to look towards the future and try and keep our district, district as rural as possible and, if I can put it this way, uh, Thaxted's supposed to be the crown in the, you know, the jewel in the crown, then what are we as a district? Because we are the most beautiful district within Essex, without question, in my opinion. Now, if you look at the... Uh, uh, somebody, one of the speakers, said we should never have built Little Maypole. Now, all right, I can't agree with the, the people more. We shouldn't have allowed building at Little Maypole. But Little Maypole was an exception site. It was a low-cost housing. Is that right, Mr Brown? So, therefore, it is an exception site. This, as has been pointed out, is not an exception site. I have been going past Thaxted for many, many years. And one of the things that you do is that when you come over the rise from uh, the hill, when you, when you come up to, just before you come up to Thaxted, you look across Thaxted, and yes, you do see the church and what have you. But what concerns me is that once you allow some commercial building on that site, you are then going to build it from there right the way down the hill. You will completely change the landscape. Thaxted will lose its part of its jewel, if I could say that. And I don't think that we have any reason here to actually approve it. Now, lots of things have been said in here about um, uh, its outside development limits and what have you. Yes, it is, and, and it seems to me that nobody seems to care about that now. That's all gone by the board. And we've got to have a five-year land supply. We've got to get to the point where we have to say in certain circumstances, enough is enough. And I think in this particular one, in Thaxted, I'm afraid I could not support the officer's proposal. Thank you, Mr Chairman. <coughs> OK. Uh, anybody else? No, at this stage? Um, again, I'll put my two penny with him. Um, one point, I mean, I, I heard what the gentleman said about the neighbourhood plan. Uh, unfortunately, until the thing is adopted, it doesn't carry the weight that we would all like it to carry. And I, I know that you're aware of that fact as such. I appreciate that it's emerging. I appreciate the amount of work you're doing. Um, I, I find myself agreeing with the general consensus around the table here that uh, the... the damage caused is, is basically more than we gain. Um, I have a horrible feeling that as this will get added perhaps on appeal that we might find this one comes back at us. Um, I, I would have hoped that maybe the developer could have sat down with the parish and come up with something that actually you all agree with. And I think if you do do that and it comes back with instead of 200 letters objecting some people supporting then it will get through. Um, but for the moment, I think we're probably uh, going to go to the vote against this, or we're... Can I just clarify? Yeah, go on. Can I just clarify? Picking up Councillor Freeman's point, we had two refusal reasons last time. One was the impact on the uh, surrounding area and the street scene, and the other one was regarding the impact on the neighbouring properties. Um, we just need to decide whether or not you, you're going to run with both those, or there's one of those. Yeah, yeah but are we, are we talking about... Have the, has the changes 
overcome the impact on the neighbour. I think we, we just need to talk that one through. Yeah. Yes, Councillor Chambers. I know this is a planning committee and you've got to go on strictly planning reasons, but I think it's quite clear the whole reason for us putting our foot down is because you are going to forever change Thaxted. And I mean forever. You'll never get it back. So whatever reason we need to come up with, that's got to be our main reason. There are lots of other things too, I'm sure, that the officers could actually put forward. But that's got to be the main thing. And I don't care who it is, the inspectors who come out and look at appeals have got to take this into account because if they don't, we'll have nothing left. As simple as that. <coughs> I'm not sure forever changing facts that is a planning reason. Uh, Councillor Lodge. No, the real, the real planning reason um, is uh, something I'd just like to explore a little bit further. I think it's fairly well accepted that, that when we approach almost, almost any development that the outlying developments tend to be of a, of, a, of a lower density and they certainly really ought to be of a lower height to lead us into a development, whatever, whatever it is. And um, I think this applies absolutely in spades here. I've been driving into Thaxted for, for nearly as long as Councillor Chambers and putting something at this height would, re would really frighten me as, as I come in. Now then, it is a design issue. Now which particular um, design number, I don't know. But I do feel that we should, we should um, put there as a reason that the uh, the height as you move into a settlement should, should be stepped, and this really is an abrupt start and totally inappropriate. Uh, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, but having said that, they did, you know, they are looking at slab levels, and if it was reduced by a metre, it's going to mitigate the point. But I, I, I take your point, and it's the impact overall. Uh, Councillor Lockman. Could we go for EMV3? As well as the others. That Gen 2 does the job, to be honest. I don't think, I don't, I don't think you need to, and to pick up Councillor Chambers' point, you don't need to muddy it. Well, it's um, not it, muddy it. No, 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 I just don't, you don't. It's, yeah, it says the loss of traditional open spaces. It's not an open space. Yeah, Gen, I mean, I would, I would say, I mean, we, we and I would, I would disagree with you slightly in that if this is defendable at appeal, this is one that is very, very balanced down the line in terms of very balanced. In terms of the harm, it is defensible. It's just actually divided people within the office, to be honest, in terms of whether or not it actually um, can be defended. It can be defended. There is, you know, it could be detrimental, but there is harm from this proposal and it's not outweighed by the benefit. And so therefore, we, we went through this last time and what we had as refusal reasons last time were very robust refusal reasons. And I just suggest we just repeat those again. The only thing I just wanted to check is the impact on the neighbours, whether you still wanted to include that as well. Simple as that, really. That's a completely different, you know, in terms of whether or not... Uh, uh, <coughs> well, that'll be a new thing. Uh, <laughs> Councillor Gerard. Yeah, I, I think that we can repeat the objections from before, and I think we could add, again, I go back to what a recent appeal inspector said to, to us at an appeal at Newport, the Ellis appeal, is that when he made that decision, he was considering would the benefits 
be outweighed by the harms. And I think here, NPPF paragraph 14, it's very clear that the adverse impacts of this proposal outweigh the benefits. And I think we add that onto what we said before, and I'd like to go to the vote, I think. Councillor Higgs. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm inclined to agree with those of my colleagues who've been speaking recently and um, that to um, say that I do feel that this is an application that we should um, oppose and, uh, and I, I would accept the um, suggestion that um, Mr Brown has made that we go on to two grounds in, um, in 10.6 um, which are the same grounds we had before um, and um, with the, um, um, the rider that there has been insufficient uh, mitigation put into effect to change the effect of that previous decision. <coughs> okay. In uh, that I case, and the chairman, I would, um, I would propose a refusal. Okay. Uh, Yes, I know. Uh, Councillor Gerrard's already proposed the refusal. If you're yes, happy to uh, second it, Eric, happy to second it? Yes, by all means. Okay, I have a proposal and a seconder for refusal. All those in favour of refusal, please show. Okay, I have a unanimous refusal. Unanimous refusal. Okay, moving on. Thank you very much. UTT 17 24 Great Chesterford. Chesterford, Luke Mills to take us through the application. Luke, when you're ready. Thank you, Chairman. The site is located off Rookery Close in Great Chesterford and comprises an undeveloped parcel of land bordered by trees and hedgerows. The application is for approval of all reserved matters following a grant of outline planning permission for a residential development of up to 14 dwellings. The proposal includes the erection of 11 dwellings, mainly with two storeys, but with a bungalow at plot seven, and two chalet bungalows at plots five and six. So that's the bungalow there, and the chalet bungalows that you see here. Vicular access would be from Rookery Close, and a cycle link would connect the development to Stanley, Stanley Road. These are consistent with the access details approved earlier this year. The proposed dwellings would have a traditional appearance with external finishes of brick, weatherboard, painted render and plain tiles. These street scene drawings demonstrate the relationship between buildings in the proposed development and their relationship with existing buildings. That's those that are greyed out. A 
correction should be made to paragraph 11.9 of my report. It is stated here that the recommended separation distances in the Essex design guide are fully complied with, but plot 6 would in fact be less than 25 metres from 34 to 40 standing road. So if I show you that relationship, it's just here. The distance would in fact be 20 metres, which it is considered is a reasonable level of privacy for the occupiers of the proposed dwelling. Members should have received two supplementary representations, which were received after the report was drafted, one from the Highway Authority and one from a local resident. Members will have also received further representations from the same local resident this morning. My recommendation remains unchanged, save for the replacement of conditions 5 and 9, with conditions 1 to 5 suggested by the Highway Authority. As set out in my report, all relevant planning policies and material considerations have been considered, and it is recommended that approval be granted. Uh, thank you very much, Luke. Uh, we have four speakers, but I'm going to take Councillor Julie Redfern first. Julie, you have five minutes. Thank you, Chairman. Um, it's not my intention to take the full five minutes. I'm here speaking on behalf of the Parish Council. And um, whilst we um, note the improved layout and the design, um, we still consider this density to be excessive given the restrictive access to this site through an already congested um, area of our, of our village. Um, we would really much prefer to stick with the recommended number in the local plan, which is 10, and here we have 11. Um, obviously, this is up to the committee, but um, we do have a lot of problems in this particular area, and I've been here many times before to, to discuss this, but um, that's, that's the um, Parish Council's consideration. You've got other speakers on this, so I'm not, going to, I'm not going to go on because I know they will cover many items, but there are a couple of other things that I would really like to see um, on this. One of them is the cycle path link between um, Stanley Road and this new um, area. I would really like to see a condition that says that this should be um, uh, completed and available before the occupation of the first home because it's so often these things come along late and it's a really important item for us to have that link through between one estate and the other. And the other thing that um, we, there is nothing on, on this site before either is any any play area at all um, and I really do think that um, these are family homes and we, there is a very very limited play area in that whole in, in the whole um, estate including this so I'd like to see those um, those added to this if possible and the other thing that is a massive concern to the parish council and myself is actually really firm conditions on construction traffic when they can, when construction traffic can come in and out of um, this site, and also that the construction traffic is contained within the site while they are um, developing, because it is a very congested residential area, um, and it it is absolutely key to the um, to the parish council that if you could take those considerations into account, I would appreciate it. But I know that you've had representations from 
the two other members of the public that are speaking today, so I'm not going to repeat anything that they will be saying. That's just my comments and the Parish Council's. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Councillor Redfern. Um, Victoria Choate, I think, isn't it? I got it wrong last time. You have three minutes. Good afternoon. This is a major application subject to numerous submissions, a deferral, a refusal, and a dismissal of, and a dismissed appeal on the grounds of Gen 2. In short, and although not exhaustive, I object to this proposal for the following reasons. The Town and Country Planning Act states that the applicants must provide the detail necessary to deal with reserved matters. The details for the reserved matter of landscaping must not be left to conditions. In August, Luke Mills confirmed that there are no notes on file to support an assessment of the trees. The applicant's tree survey confirms that the trees at the access have not been fully assessed. On the proposed site plan, the trees to the rear of plots 9, 10 and 11 are shown to remain. Yet in the tree survey plan, the trees are removed. So which is it? Who has assessed the trees? Felling the trees to the rear of plots 9, 10 and 11 will take away all privacy to the gardens of 15 and 17 Rookery Close. Ben Smeaton has not completed a tempo form and numerous requests for TPOs have been ignored. In his latest response, Mr Smeaton continues to use the same wording as he used at outline stage and he also asked that a full land landscaping plan is submitted for this application. Why has this not been submitted? Landscaping is one of the reserved matters for which the applicants seek approval today. There is no play or green space and no details of finished ground levels, a validation requirement. The proposed finished ground levels are unclear and cannot possibly equate to the amount of soil the applicants say they will remove. The construction management plan mentioned in their design and access statement is missing. Why? This lack of detail is perceived as evasive. The existing ground levels in Littlefield are higher than the surrounding homes and clarity as to the finished ground levels must be provided to, pro to protect the residential amenity of the existing residents, in particular 15 and 17 Rookery Close. The hastily adapted wheelchair accessible unit, a tiny two bedroom house with first floor bathroom, <coughs> is poorly designed and severely compromises the remaining living space for any wheelchair user and their family. A practical furniture layout is impossible. Is a small two-bedroom house really the most suitable property for a wheelchair user? <coughs> and where is the assessment from the Access and Equalities Officer? Yet again, the design compromises demonstrated by the proposal are as a result of overdevelopment and yet again, Hasto Housing seek to compromise the quality of life for their own tenants. <laughs> this, de this development does not accord with the standards of lifetime homes. Finally, and contrary to the comments made at the August meeting, it does matter that the dust cart will mount the pavement to avoid parked cars when entering the new development. It is against the law to mount the pavement. This access will significantly worsen the existing situation. Please refuse this application. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Victoria. Uh, Andrew Leclerc. Andrew, you have three minutes. 
Good afternoon. Um, many residents have asked me to raise some of the following issues with you. Uh, at your August meeting, during consideration of the proposed access, an access which residents maintain this strong objection to, we were not allowed to discuss construction traffic. Given the impact on Rookery Close and Spencer Road, the number of large lorries required to remove the thousands of tonnes of soil from Littlefield is now the right time. At your November meeting, Mr Mills stated that if an application didn't comply with standards, he would have to recommend refusal. Pasto should be ashamed that this, their application, fails to meet even the basic requirements of the lifetime home standard. Inexplicably, Mr Mills recommends this application for approval. The fate of tree group A001 is so unclear that approval of the reserve matter of landscaping today would be perverse. Shown on the proposed site plan, they create such an overbearing sense of enclosure upon plots 10 and 11 that the scheme fails to comply with Gen 2. The applicant's tree specialist recommends the felling of these trees for this reason. Of course, he's unaware of the requirement for rear garden privacy contained in the adopted Essex design guide. Proposed condition 13 is clearly, uh, clearly acknowledges a problem with this proposed scheme that this scheme has with complying with the separation distances required by the Essex Design Guide. Uh, the proposed condition cannot mitigate against the problem looking both out from and into Littlefield. The upper story flats of 34 to 40 require a 35 metre separation distance. Rear garden privacy for future residents is compromised. With the publication of the officer's report, it was finally possible to at least guess reasonably closely what the proposed finished ground levels would be, something residents have been asking to see since 2015. Without these levels, it's obviously very difficult to properly assess anything. But what an impact this information comes with. Proposed condition 10 and the application's proposed street elevation show that the, application, the applicants intend to level almost the entire site down to its lowest point, which given the topography of the site will require potentially hundreds of lorries to move literally thousands of tonnes of soil and subsoil involved. This is clearly not environmentally sustainable development and not exactly practical either given the nature of the proposed access route. Just a few weeks after the access was approved in August, the dust up failed to reach Bartholomew Close due to parked cars. This scorched earth approach to ground levels and the mass destruction of so many trees is not good design, it is lazy design. Good design works with and is informed by existing landscape features. Finally, with reference to paragraph 11.19 of the officer's report, an application that fails to accord with policies that seek to ensure good design and protect the residential amenity of existing and future residents should not be approved simply because Uttlesford does not have a five-year land supply at the moment. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Mr Leclerc. Um, and finally, um, the agent, Mr Philip Kratz. I've got that right, I hope. You have six minutes, Philip. Thank you, Mr Chairman and members. I've promised not to take the full six minutes, and out of um, perhaps idle curiosity, I mentioned I'm going on to another planning authority afterwards where the agent gets the three minutes and the others have to divide up their time to equal three minutes rather than vice versa. So that might be helpful in, when revisiting your policies on that. Um, I, I ought to open by saying that the Hasto group uh, are not uh, in much shorter meetings, incidentally, 
sector. The Hasta Group are not ashamed. The Hasta Group are proud to be one of the leading providers of housing, and in particular affordable housing in the nation, and they're proud to have offices in the district of Uttlesford. And it means that this is very much on their doorstep, and this application, um, members must be suffering a, a sense of deja vu with it in some respects. Of course, you're not being invited to approve a planning application today. The planning permission has been granted for this site. It was an outline planning permission for up to 14 dwellings, and amazingly, there are 11 on the scheme before you. Um, yet another first um, by architectural designers who are themselves um, award-winning, and they have not tried to max out the site. What they've done is, um, within the confines and constraints, of an existing residential area, do everything that is humanly possible to accommodate all of the requirements of your design guidance, be it fully adopted or be it simply used for development management purposes. In doing so, they've come up with a scheme that so far today is the best scheme I've seen on the overhead projector, and it's one that I have absolutely no hesitation in commending to you. Um, as I said, planning permission is granted. You're only being invited to approve the reserve matters. Of course, you've already approved access. Um, I spoke to you three or four months ago when that was actually approved as a separate matter. And the access then informs the, the layout, and the layout informs the overall design approach. And what you have here is a mix of houses of uh, differing sizes, types, designs, and tenures within a, a well-designed uh, envelope um, with all matters capable of being approved by you today, subject to the conditions that have been commended by your officers, who have done an excellent job in liaising with the developer and making sure that everything that can be possibly done to make a first-class design has been done. And what we have here is a first-class design delivering much-needed houses. It's already been touched on by other speakers earlier in the day, but considerable weight must be attached where the council is lacking in a five-year supply of housing land. You have here, I would hope, a very easy decision to make because the significant weight to be attached to that is not outweighed by significant and demonstrable harm. Um, what is before you uh, actually demonstrates little or no harm at all, which of itself, again, is quite um, an achievement where there are pre-existing residential interests in the locality. But as has been explained to you, the Essex Design Guide has been the starting point, it has been the point of reference, and everything has been done that can humanly be done to accommodate all of the points that arise in that design guidance. And just looking at the overhead projection, um, the grey existing residential development would that it were designed to the same standards of the, e, uh, sorry, of the Essex Design Guide because it's quite obvious that this design um, is of a higher standard than the pre-existing residential development which surrounds it. So on that, um, Mr Chairman and members, I commend the scheme to you and I would hope that you're able to approve these reserved matters. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, Mr. Kratz. I seem to remember the last time you were before us, you were making comments on how we should do things. <laughs> Seems to be a particular sort of thing of yours. Uh, okay, um, members, over to you for your comments. Councillor Gerard. Thank you.
you, Mr. Chairman. I just want to, if I can, ask a point of clarity. On, um, I'm a little bit confused uh, with the Parish Council comments regarding access, parking, and traffic. And I would just, it, they, don't, they don't correlate to the report, but could I just ask a clarification? Are there any issues at all, contentious issues, regarding parking and traffic? No. I think I'd be lying if I said there weren't any contentious <laughs> issues. Um, so matters of access were dealt with at the application a few months ago. So details of access are as proposed now. Um, and then all parking standards have been met as well. So access has already been approved as you now see it. And the parking standards have been met. So just want to clarify, if I may. Yep. In in the officers' opinions, um, the request to reduce from, 10, from 11 down to 10 due to inadequate access and parking arrangements, is there any merit in that request from the Parish Council? In my opinion, no. Could I ask anyone else's opinion on this, please? Uh, Mr Brown. I would agree with Leek on this one wholeheartedly. I don't think there's any reasons to reject this on the terms of access. <coughs> that was the question, I assume. That was... Okay. Councillor Wells. I don't have any objections to this one, but I'm quite happy to propose your recommendation. <coughs> okay, I have a proposer. Um, I'm just going to have my say before you finish, Leslie. Um, to Councillor Redfern's point about the cycle path, uh, I, I know what you're saying, but unfortunately to commission a cycle path through a site on the first unit means you'd be cycling through a building site. So I, th I think it has to be the last unit, just for practical safety reasons, if you see what I mean. Um, I wouldn't, I would, okay, go on. Um, yeah, so um, as I mentioned, there are a number of conditions, or two conditions that I've recommended that I request be replaced with the five conditions, or five of the conditions recommended by the Highway Authority. One of those is that the access arrangement shown on the drawing uh, shall be fully implemented prior to occupation of the development. So that would include the cycle path. I mean, if you... So it's up to members as to when that phasing is. What I'm currently recommending is that we do it prior to occupation in line with the Highway Authority comments. However, if it was so minor... Just for clarification, clarification. So yeah. where does the cycle path run? The cycle path is here. So then that connects through to Stanley Road there. And there's Section 106 agreements covering both sites to ensure that the link happens. So how are you supposed to cycle through the project? If you see what I mean. Or am I being stupid today? How do you mean? Sorry, so the, well, you say cycle, the, link. the cycle link there, that, so that connects to the road there in Stanley Road. Right. And then it comes onto the shared surface of okay. this development. All right. and then so what you're saying is, all right, so basically that will be in with the infrastructure of the roads that go in at the beginning. Yeah, so the, right. the okay. recommended I've condition got is... I've got it, okay. yeah, yeah. I've got it. Okay. Just because we build it doesn't mean people have to cycle down. No, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 right. yeah. okay, 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 I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Bear with me, everybody. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> that was the first point. Okay. Yes, Councillor Freeman. Yeah, um, on the subject of cycles, in the informative, there's informative three, it does not appear that the proposed cycleway will be able to connect onto the carriageway or standing close due to part of the route involving third-party land, in other words, a ransom strip. So does that mean that you will take your life in your hands when you take your bicycle across this one metre of land? Will it be covered in sort of these pointy things and uh, get your tyres out and that sort of stuff? Oddly enough, I don't think that's the intention. 
Um, so there's a Section 106 agreement, as I said, for both sites, so that the Bellway Home site on the other side, and then this site here. Um, and both of them say that the cycle link must be put in place, so it, it ensures that the link then happens. But the, the Highway Authority was merely just pointing out that it is third-party land and just highlighting it as a potential issue. Okay, and uh, just a second. And construction management plan, where are we with that? So one is recommended in accordance with the comments of the Highway Authority. So uh, what's called a construction method statement in, in conjunction with a traffic management plan. Um, so that's details that would be submitted for approval uh, prior to commencement. Of prior to commencement. Okay, yeah. that's can another I, of Julie's points. Can I just also pick up that point? Um, you know my views on construction management plans, so I'm holding my nose on this one and, and putting this condition on there. But I'm looking straight at the development manager from, from, from Hasto, and what I would envisage as part of the construction management plan is prior to its submission that we have some sort of engagement in terms of how it operates locally. Because, like it or not, and all, I'm not being dismissive of the impact from construction traffic, but there will be an impact from construction traffic. This site is a particularly challenging site, so I think early, early intervention we can have a discussion and some, in, some, some initiation on site in terms of how particular things work. So don't just whop in your, your, if this is approved, don't just put in an application to discharge that. I think we need to have discussions locally in terms of how we deal with that construction management. <coughs> Go on, Luke. Uh, just, just on that point, I, I've noticed that um, actually the Highway Authority didn't recommend it as a pre-commencement condition. My recommendation would be that it is a pre-commencement condition to secure those details. Yeah, we shall add that. Okay. I've got Councillor Chambers, then Hicks, then Freeman, and Lodge. Mr Chairman, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would... Um, I have always been against uh, this for the reason of um, access, as members know. I realise that that has been agreed, so we cannot do that. The construction traffic impacts because of the difficulty of the access, will be vitally important. There could be serious problems with that because of the access. I don't care what the County Council say or anybody else, it is extremely difficult to get in there. Uh, I can't see, uh, as far as I can see, that, that the number, if it's reduced to 10, as the Parish Council wish, from my point of view, isn't a problem. However, I cannot see how you can refuse this because I think we've been through so many different things that there, was, there is no reason now because of basically in here one house that we're going to, if we went to appeal, we would definitely lose it. But I, I'm still saying that I would not agree with this because of the access. You have got, any site has got to have reasonable access. This is not reasonable access. Councillor Higgs. Thank you, Chairman. I'd um, just like to second uh, Councillor Wells' proposal. Okay. I'm going to take the other comments just before I take that. Uh, Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. When it comes to uh, site management, uh, can I suggest that you should ban weekend working on this site? The, the um, staff and the operatives, their transport will be dragging through a housing estate to get there. People deserve the quiet enjoyment of their property. You don't get the quiet enjoyment of your property when there's construction traffic thundering past the door. You may have to put up with that and endure it Monday through Friday. I suggest, Chairman, that it should not be something that happens on Saturdays and Sundays as well. Uh, Mr Brown. 
Do you want to comment on that? It's not easy, I know. It's not easy. I would, I would, I would say certainly Sundays is unreasonable, certainly Saturday afternoon. The usual rule of thumb is close the site on Saturday lunchtime. And also, you also need to be careful that, obviously, at the very beginning, most of the impact from the development is the soil preparation at the very beginning. That's where most of the, the problems are caused. When you get to the very end of the site and you ended up, you're putting in kitchens or you're plastering the wall, um, you could do that in the middle of the night and it actually doesn't make any impact. So I think we do need to be reasonable that we want to get these houses off the, off the, off the, off the thing. So we, but I'll pick up your point. But usually, the no working usually ends on a Saturday lunchtime. But uh, Chairman, if I may, Chairman, if I may, uh, even putting in kitchens involves people turning up in white vans and parking all over the place, uh, and that will have an impact on the quiet enjoyment of people's weekends and their children. That's the point. I think we should put a moratorium on weekend working on this side period. Uh, just to clarify that point, so at the moment there is no suggested condition for working hours, so that would just need to be part of the part of the um, formal resolution. Okay. I would, I, would add, I would add, I would suggest we add it as an additional condition. Yeah, under construction manager, condition five. Uh, so, if you look at a condition five, rather than add an extra condition, <laughs> I would suggest that the prior to commencement of the construction management plan to carry parking of vehicles, unloading, storage of plants, wheel washing, um, and hours of operation, we could put on there as well. And um, it's, it's not exclusive to that, but the fact that we've actually highlighted those things. <coughs> You're happy with that, Councillor Freeman? Yes, thank Okay. Uh, thank Councillor Lodge. <laughs> thank you. It was my, my recollection from the last uh, application, and particularly with the involvement of Hastur Homes, that all of the uh, previous application was for affordable homes. Am I correct in taking that? Am, am I wrong? Uh, no, that's incorrect. So two houses would be affordable units. Yeah, yeah that, no, that was always the case. So when Outline Planning Commission was granted, it was um, on the proviso that 20% were affordable units, because at the time that was the policy that we applied. You're happy with that, Councillor? Um, I'm happy, but... I'm, I'm, but pro I'm pro probably happy that we've, we've run out of road along with the, along with the residents here. I think it's... Uh, it's a, a, yeah, okay. a, a pretty nasty attempt to maximise profits here by developers and not really, again, provide the community with what they want. But as I said, I think we've run out of road. The, the only thing I can say in mitigation of HASTO is that we've seen several schemes drop below the level where it would be nine and then we'd be struggling for anything. But it's... Anyway, look, that, enough from that. Okay, I have a proposer, I think, Councillor Wells proposed. Yes? I have a seconder. Councillor Hicks, I'm happy to go to the vote. All those in favour for this application, please show. Five. All those against? Four. That application is approved. Thank you very much, Luke. Close. <coughs> we'll now proceed to UTT 17 2336, an outline planning in Gresham Court. Councillor Lachlan just needs to make a statement on this application. Oh, it's just that I have a non-prejudicial interest, as I know Mr Hibbs of Hibbs and Walsh, Walsh Associates. He is an acquaintance. 
Thank you. Okay. okay. Uh, Emmanuel, when you're ready. Good afternoon, Councillor. This is an outline application with all matters reserved except access and scale for, for the demolition of existing buildings and the erection of up to 11 two-story residential dwelling units. Um, just for the benefit of members, uh, this application was before you uh, previously and uh, all issues were resolved subject to completion of section 106. Unfortunately, it was refused because the applicant refused to complete the section 106. On this occasion, it's the same application, nothing has materially changed except that the applicant have decided to complete the section 106. Uh, the access remains the same, the scale will be two to two-story two, uh, two to, uh, two buildings, and the issue we are looking at here is the principles, the access, and the scale. Overall, uh, the application is recommended for planning permission, subject to the completion of the, the so-called process section 106 agreement. Thank you. Uh, and I think we had a discussion prior to this saying that we would limit the 106 to the 31st of January, to be completed by the 31st of January. Okay, so members are aware that it won't drag on as it has done in the past, okay? Um, Councillor Lodge. So we are saying, just as a recap, this is exactly the same as the last one. No differences whatsoever. Thank you. Okay, anybody else like to comment on that? Sorry, Councillor Redfern, I've just spotted your name to the right of my list. <coughs> How I could possibly miss you. Councillor Redfern, you have five minutes. Thank you. Um, I'm here speaking on behalf of Wendham Parish Council this time, um, and I will just um, tell you what they've said. Uh, Wendland Zarrow Parish Council do not object to residential development on this site, but it is a concern about the lack of clarity in the application <coughs> and concerns raised by previous applications. Although this is an outline application, it's important that certain principles for development are defined at the earliest stage and the requisite conditions attached. The extent of demolition of existing buildings is unclear. The site is a prominent one in the village and Neville House and its surrounding flint wall need to be protected. If the demolition will lead to the uh, restoration of the original footprint of if the, sorry, if the demolition will lead to the restoration of the original footprint of Neville House and the parish council would welcome this, every care should be taken that the facade should be in keeping with the rest of the buildings, given the, given the previous concerns as to what is actually being removed in demolition, Wendham Parish Council would like a condition to address this. The Flint boundary wall must be protected and preserved. The Parish Council note that the new application seeks to build right up against the historic wall along the southern boundary and again the uh, Parish Council would like a condition attached. The application states that no new access is being created. They believe this is incorrect as four new parking spaces and a new pedestrian access is being created onto Station Road. We would like reassurance that the those new spaces are, su are sufficient in area to turn and park within the red line boundary, rather than a reliance on access to neighbouring properties. 
Also a condition that if 19 parking spaces shown are provided, that any of the two bedroom properties will have two allocated spaces and one bedroom unit will have one parking space. There is no on-road parking along Station Road and the road is extremely busy during peak times. And I think we all know this because obviously this is the main access to Audley End Station. So I think the Parish Council have got some sort of reasonable concerns on this. Um, and the other comment that I, um, I would like to make is that um, the affordable housing on this. I wonder if we could try and talk to the um, supplier of the affordable housing that maybe we could have a local connection on this because Wendon and Zambo is a very small um, is a very small village. Yeah, yeah but it's a, it's a very small village so it does have a very small housing need. Um, which makes it very difficult for them to come up with an exception site or something similar. So I wonder if we could perhaps negotiate with the affordable housing provider that it would have local connection first. Um, and that is all I've got to say on the subject. Thank you. <coughs> yes, I'm going to ask Mr Brown just to clarify that. I'm going to say to yes, we can. But I don't think we have to negotiate it. I think we can just pop it in, put it in the new 106. Because Wendon's Ambo has, it is, it, the situation in Wendons is a bit strange in terms of you've got a lot of these developments around the railway station, but it's still, at the end of the day, a very small village, and so therefore the local connection issue I think is quite reasonable. So we can, as part of the 106 that we're going to be progressed this time, we get a local connection in there as well. Well, I think that would be... Really, very well received by the, um, this particular village because, as you say, they have had a lot of development, but um, very little uh, village uh, benefit from it. So that would be great. Thank you. Sure. And two of your other points. I mean, obviously, it's an outline planning, so they will come in with detail on the elevations and everything else, which will come before the officers. So there will be a process for us to approve that. And obviously, there is an existing access there, which I think we're not adding another access. It's basically the one that was there before. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I just think it is, you know, they are very concerned about the sort of historic flip wall and okay. how people go in and out of that site. On basically, that is the busiest road in Western Zambia. Yeah, the okay. points are taken. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we have no other speakers. I haven't got there yet. We have no other speakers. So I'll put it over to the committee. Councillor Chambers. Uh, Mr Chairman, yes, um, I'm the other member with um, uh, Councillor Redfern for, for Wind and Sambo uh, and I'll enhance everything that she said. Um, the flint wall is, I think, of particular interest that when you go up to the old station, I think most people here know it, it is something you can't miss, so it would be a great pleasure to lose that and I don't think there would be any need to, to do that, not to lose it. One of the things we looked at when the application came up before, if I remember rightly, was that there didn't appear to be any access to some of the parking spaces. Now, if, I, if you could just be quite clear, Mr Allahan, if you, if you would, with where they are, because it, it did, I think you agreed last time, that there was a problem with one or two of the parking spaces. So. I should declare an interest in that one. I have played golf, but um, it's a rubbish course, but... We haven't got there yet, either. <laughs> um, now, the, 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 there are 19 car parking spaces in there, 
and they are all easily accessible. And the four additional one is the one here they've created. Yeah. And on this occasion, they tried to avoid, you know the previous one, they wanted to knock down the other buildings. Yeah. They've avoided it this time. Yeah. And as a result of that, that enabled them to gain more uh, car parking space, bringing to a total of 19. So, and all the pedestrian access will, will be well connected, avoiding where the uh, vehicles will be passing through as well. Okay. <coughs> okay. Uh, that's answered most of the questions, and I, and I think the committee have taken on board about the wall and uh, what uh, Councillor Redfern said about if it could be, particularly to some local people, it would be very beneficial as another small village. <coughs> okay, anybody else to comment? In that case, I'm happy to propose this from the chair. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Wells is seconding. Okay, can we please have a show of hands? All those in favour, please show. That is unanimous. Thank you very much. Thank you, Emmanuel. Um, uh, yes, we'll take a two-minute comfort break, if that's okay. Yes, well, a three-minute comfort break. So just <laughs> we would <laughs> just get what you've missed this half a bit already. Go on, off you go.
embarrassment. You know. ready with a mouthful. This is UTT 171673, full application at Ellison Golf Club, and Mr. Brown will take us through it. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Chairman. This looks like a really complicated application, but it's, it's very, very straightforward. Um, if, if members will look at the history of the site, um, if you look at the, the previous application, which was UT. 16 stroke 1066, which is on page 107. Uh, members will recall the consideration of that application, which was the proposed modernisation of Ellsman Golf and Leisure to include the creation of Chipping Green, an adventure golf area, driving range, refurbishment, extension of car park, creation of a reservoir for the purposes of sustainable road irrigation, blah, blah, blah. There's lots of stuff on there. And there was lots of conditions on there regarding contamination, um, the netting of the reservoir so it wouldn't have bird strikes with the airport, all critical absolute stuff. All they are requesting regarding this application is to vary all the conditions so therefore they can do the adventure golf course without having to do all that stuff. The adventure golf course has no, <coughs> has no contamination issues, it has no soil removal issues, it, and so therefore it, it is not covered by contamination and, and um, netting the reservoir. So all they're asking is the conditions are retained, but there's a reference, in, there's an exclusion cause. And as an example on that, if you look at the recommendations, on condition 10, it says it found necessary excluding the construction of the adventure golf area. So that is excluding the construction of the adventure golf area is magic pen for all those conditions. So that's all this is requested to do. So I won't bore you with any more details on the application, only that the environmental health officer and the environment agency are, are content with the application and the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. Uh, thank you, Mr. Brown. Uh, we have no speakers on this, so therefore straight over to the committee, Leslie. Proposals for approval and seconded by Councillor Lemon. Um, all those in favour, please show. I have a unanimous approval. Elizabeth. Thank you very much. And moving on to UTT 171493, full application at land south of Wyndham's Croft, White Ditch Lane, Newport. Emmanuel to take us through. Thank you, Chair. Um, members, we should be very quite familiar with this particular site, which is a land site of Wade and Croft, White Ditch Lane, Newport. The proposal is the construction of two detached dwellings with car parking and associated landscaping. 
it is solely mainly for the subdivision of plot 13 granted under the planning permission UTT slash 15 slash 3824 slash DFO. Here we are. This is the plot 13 originally. The aim of this particular application is to split them into two. Therefore, increasing the number of the approved dwellings on this side from 15 to 16. The subdivision of this particular plot, the thing, did not introduce any material planning issue that would overall affect what members have already approved. The car parking spaces complies to the standards. The height and the design approach taken complies and with the, with the existing layout of the master plan. The Section 106 agreement that was completed in the previous scheme has been already been transferred to this particular application. It's not going to trigger off any further affordable housing. The affordable housing remains constant. Overall, the application is recommended for approval. Uh, thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, we have no speakers on this application, so again, straight over to you, committee. Councillor Gerard. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, this is in my ward. Um, yeah, White Ditch Lane, it's, a, it's quite a difficult road, a lot of development. Um, there's, no, there's no reason on, on the car parking, I think, that's, that it, it complies with car parking. My, my, my issue is one of a cumulative one. Um, which is always a difficult one to discuss, but there is a cumulative impact on White Ditch Lane. There's numerous developments along here that have been, are in the process of, and will be built on. Um, lots of applications for passing lanes. There's a further development just further up, which has recently been applied for increase from 15 up to 20. There's a lot of applications that have increased um, and are increasing. So just that is a backdrop. Just wanted to make a point that White Ditch Lane is a problem. We, we do have traffic problems along there that back up then to Berrywater Lane, particularly at school times. Um, my issue here is really specifically with regards to the garden sizes. If, if I may just draw your attention, it may well be, a, a, we may, may need to vary a condition because I just note that some of the garden sizes appear quite small, um, and I'm, re I'm referring to the Essex Design Guide, which says that you need 100 square meters for a three-bedroom house, and a two-bedroom you can go down to 50. Um, I note that there's a, a three-bedroom house here with only a 51 square meter garden. Um, I just wondered if you'd spotted that, Manuel, and whether or not there's anything we can do to rectify that. Just to remind uh, members, the details on this table is not, are not materially changed compared to what members have already previously approved. The only focus of attention here is uh, uh, plot number 16, which is the new uh, 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 unit. And if you look at it, uh, there's a variation in all the garden sizes, even some of them exceed the normal standards. And uh, the trade-off here happens to be the balance. 
Um, I see where you're coming from, Councillor. However, um, at this stage, um, I'm wondering whether it will uh, be deemed appropriately to start revisiting the original master plan that's already been approved. Uh, that plot one, for example, was what members considered acceptable, subject to the computer section one and two. But unfortunately, they did not. Uh, uh, I mean, they came back this time on the basis of splitting plot 13. And that arrangement you are seeking for will start changing all the configuration of the master plan. But uh, we will see what we can do. But um, having said that, so again, I just to remind members, some of the planning conditions, has uh, some of them have been discharged as I'm speaking to you right now. And uh, I'm wondering where we could be able to maneuver this to achieve that. Thank you. If, if I may ask if you could send me separately outside this meeting, um, I, I need to know what the, um, the UDC guidelines are on garden spaces because I note that UDC has not adopted the Essex Design Guide. Sorry, if, 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 if I, I just need a, if someone can email me after this, this meeting clarity on what the <laughs> okay. policy is. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll arrange for that to happen, but I'm going to ask Mr. Brown just to clarify the point. Yeah, yeah just, just to clarify that a lot of the considerations of garden sizes around the Essex Design Guide, you're quite right, we haven't adopted the Essex Design Guide. Uh, and there are reasons why we haven't done that because there's lots in the Essex Design Guide, not just garden sizes and separation distances. Um, but we have, we have successfully used it as a rule of guidance. So the answer to your question is we have no guard, we have nothing adopted to actually say what we should be doing in terms of garden sizes. Again, it's going back to what we were saying a couple of hours ago in terms of the local plan. Hopefully we'll get something out of that in terms of, well, we will get something out of that in terms of design standards, in terms of separation distances. But at the moment, we have nothing in terms of doing it. We're doing it on the, using the Essex Design Guide as a guide. And now and again, unfortunately, you do get ones like that where you have an affordable housing, it is an affordable housing unit that's, that's only 50 square metres when it, when it should have been uh, 100. And that's unfortunate. But that's because we've got no absolute hammer to hit it with at this stage. Uh, actually, you raise a really good point, and we probably should have picked this up the first time round because the other gardens are so excessive, we probably could have done something about yeah. this. So I, yeah, I take absolutely. your point, and it's something we'll be a little bit more diligent about going forward, I think. Okay. Um, okay, any other comments from anybody? No, we have a recommendation from a crew. I'm happy to uh, propose a, from the chair for acceptance. Does that find a seconder? Councillor Wells, I have a seconder. Okay, all those in favour, please show. <coughs> I have a unanimous decision. Thank you very much. <coughs> Unfortunately, Councillor Lachlan has to leave us now. She has a prior engagement. So can I wish you all a happy Christmas and a happy New Year. Thank you. <laughs> See you, Okay, so moving on, UTT 17-2050, full application for the thatch. Mr Tyler will take us through it. We have visited this site before, if you'll remember, about two months ago. So it should be fairly straightforward. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. 
Uh, as Chairman said, yes, we uh, visited the site on the 25th of October this year, uh, and following that, uh, the application has been amended for the retention of trees to the front of the site. The application site relates to a detached two-storey dwelling located to the south of Elsdon Road in Stansford Mount Fitchett. To the rear of the site, there is a substantial garden area that slopes down to the south of the site uh, and to the public car park um, near the railway line to the south of the site. The southwestern corner of the site falls within the development limits. Also, there are pre tree preservation orders included in the site. The application is for the proposed erection of a detached dwelling and garden, uh, sorry, garage sited within the rear garden area. The dwelling will be two storeys and with habitable accommodation in the loft space. Um, so just a reminder of the site, there was quite a lot of trees on the site and to the rear of the site was the um, sloped uh, area that goes down to the car park area. Uh, so uh, the dwelling will include external finishes of rendered and cladded walls under a plain uh, clay tiled roof. The highway access to, to the site will remain as existing and a new drive will be created. Uh, the proposal includes the removal of 18 trees, four of which are protected by tree preservation orders. No objections have been received. Um, however, the uh, Parish Council have commented that further clarification is required for the other trees on the site. However, uh, a full tree report and tree protection plan has been submitted. Uh, Council's uh, landscape officer has been consulted and no objections have been received. Uh, in terms of the assessment of the site, the site is located outside development limits, however, is considered a sustainable location due to its close proximity to Stansford Mount Fitchett. Uh, the scale size, design and siting of the dwelling is not, uh, will not result in uh, any harmful impact to the character of the site. Uh, no impact to neighbouring properties in regards to loss of amenity um, and therefore it does not conflict with countryside and backland development policies. Um, highways have been consulted uh, and no objections have been received. Essex County Council Ecologist has been, uh, of, has been consulted, no objections have been received. Um, the tree um, survey that has been submitted, um, at the top of it uh, shows the amendment to the site. We are now um, retaining two of the trees that were going to be removed. Uh, and again, the landscape officer has been consulted on this uh, and has no objections. It's uh, concluded that the proposal is a sustainable form of development that will represent uh, an acceptable scheme in accordance with national and local plan policies. It's therefore recommended for approval with conditions. Uh, uh, thank you, Mr. Tyler. Um, we have no speakers on this, so I'm quite happy to go straight over to you. Committee. Councillor Lodge. Sorry, we haven't got great clarity on this. I think from what, from what I recall, we were concerned about three or four specimens which were to the right of the drive as you drive in, and we hoped that they would have been returned. I don't really see them terribly clearly on that side. Uh, could, could you point specifically then what, what has changed from what came before us? Uh, <coughs> uh, uh, Councillor Lodge can't see the wood for the trees. 
That was him, not me. Uh, okay, Chris, if you could just explain. I, I take his point. Uh, we were trying to retain some of the better specimens by redirecting the drive. Uh, we just want some sort of uh, confirmation that we've actually managed to achieve it. So uh, we looked at the scheme and um, the plan has been amended and we have now uh, revised the driveway coming into the site. Uh, so it comes nearer the house um, and it's the first two trees that are entering the site. Uh, it would be on the left hand side of the driveway and it's the two that are in grey. I don't know if that is shown or the colour of it is shown very well. But it's the two, the two trees that are outlined in grey. One inch point. Yes. Yes, sorry. It's these two here, sorry, uh, that are now retained. They were originally going to be removed, but they were, they were quite nice specimens. And uh, though they, weren't, they didn't have any tree protection orders on them, they were worthy of, of keeping, so therefore the applicant decided to revise the application. And from memory, I think the, uh, we, we were trying to retain those, but we weren't. The, the actual ones that are being removed were of a low standard, uh, hence the uh, landscape officers, no objection. Sorry, we re I really can't see this. I think we've been let down with the information that we've been given. Some maybe an odd picture here would have would have helped to see exactly what what we're approving. This is really pretty indistinct. Okay. Um. Well, the, the two trees, though, they were quite, um, you know, it was agreed that they were quite nice specimens and, and they were the two that were entering the site here. Um, and that's what we looked at uh, in retaining and, and therefore we have the tree uh, survey here. Everything in um, grey solid areas, they, they, that is the trees that will be removed. Um, therefore, that, that was here as well at the top. Chris, Chris, could you show us where the access went and where it goes now? You know, just simply by, okay, by, yeah, by yeah. sharing it through. It, so previously, these tree, two trees here were to be removed, uh, and it went quite uh, straight down there, and, and and then along here. So the applicants moved the um, access to nearer the um, existing dwelling here. Uh, and, and brought it down here. So previously these two trees were going to be removed and the access goes straight, turn in there and down. Yeah, I think it, it, it corresponds roughly to what we were trying to get, but my, my recollection is that there were more than two trees that were threatened. It was three or four on that right-hand side of the drive as we came in. I may be wrong, we just... There are lots of trees that are coming out from the site is that the aim of the day is to, is to retain the actual, and this is unfortunately because of the time, it was like two or three months back, wasn't it? And everyone, including myself, felt well, it was such a shame to lose those trees. But there are other trees to be lost from the site. There's quite, you know, quite a lot, but we've retained the ones. Right, so I can be assured that the trees that we looked at and that we wanted to retain are being retained. I'm looking yes. at That's the ground on that. Yeah. But the drive's now following the existing drive line and then cutting off at more of a right angle. Okay, uh, I think I'm happy enough to uh, propose this from the chair. Does it find a seconder? Councillor Hicks. All those in favour, please show. Okay, we're having a unanimous decision.
Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Tyler. And I'll move on to Mr. Brown, UTT 17, 2407, full application for the land north of Farmdine. Saffron Wall. applications that members have seen before. Um, just to remind people and remind members what we considered last time, um, we have an application where application was approved for four dwellings on this particular site. Members will recall this is the, uh, the Butler Infant School here, uh, South Road, and this is Farmerdine Road, which is a private road, and this is the railway cutting. And we, and members approved four dwellings in this on this site some months back, maybe over a year back. What the proposal is to do is to change plot four and to add an extra unit. And so it sounds like a, it is an application for a revised plot four and the provision of a fifth unit. So that's why you've got an application in front of you for two, although it's plots four and five previously. Um, again, looking at the site, members will recall that this is a, a road, this is a private road with houses on this side and part of the concerns of, the, one of the concerns of neighbours was the fact that um, a lot of parking on the frontage here as well as the proximity to the school to the rear. Um, it is considered by officers that the increase by one additional dwelling in itself would not cause any problems in terms of, in terms of highway safety etc. It is self-sufficient in terms of it. Members will recall that um, uh, there is quite a gradient going down from there. The road actually does go down into what is the railway cutting, um, but the main priority is to ensure that that is a safe means of access, and it is. Uh, we're turning to be able to come out, and these particular plots, this plot has got bigger, uh, and there is provision of, of additional, a, a provision of adequate carpet on that particular site as on that one. So it is considered, although it's considered an increase in numbers, uh, it is considered acceptable in planning terms, and the application is recommended for approval, Chairman. I should add that you have in front of you, um, there was one error, and the, co the conditions didn't pull through on the report. You have in front of you, been, you know, I put in front earlier on, seems a long time ago I put them on the door, but there is um, the suggested conditions, which are the same conditions as what was put on the original application for four, they've just been pulled through for the five. <coughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Brown. Uh, we have two speakers, and uh, I will take Celia Bartlett. Thank you, Celia. I'm sorry you've had to wait so long. I'm sure it'll be worth it. Um, I'm speaking on behalf of the residents of Farmerdine Grove. It's a private road, as you know, uh, including 23 residences, in fact. So, go ahead, pass the application. It's a foregone conclusion. This is already recommended for approval. After all, what harm can adding one more out-of-scale, out-of-vernacular, pseudo-Georgian, five-bedroom executive house do? Well, actually, the harm has already been done. A little more than 12 months ago, I sat in this very seat asking for those of you who represent us on council committees to employ care and consideration when making a decision about the previous application. Sadly, just three of your members showed care and consideration by objecting last time. 
These were on the grounds of overdevelopment, suitability of the scheme and access dangers. Access is via Farmerdean Grove and it's still the major issue with this proposed amendment. And whilst some of it is a civil matter, road safety is still a consideration. Repeated requests to highways to come and visit the site and discuss the issues with the residents have been rejected. It appears they can't care either. As a private road, they are not obliged to pass any comments on the merits or otherwise of the scheme, hence no objections. However, during conversations with senior customer service, they acknowledge that they understand our plight as a private road, and even if they were to make any recommendations on our behalf, they would probably be overruled, as their recommendations often are. It's down to the planning committee to decide. So, may I ask, who does care and support us as rate-paying residents? As residents, we have cared and do care about our road, and this green space land, to the point of us being offered second refusal behind the RAB school to buy the land some 18 years ago, offered by the company bearing the Camstead name. Sadly, this minuted offer was leapfrogged and the land sold on. The absentee landowner employed the tactic, let the land fall into disrepair enough and it will be considered an eyesore. Repeated requests to him to manage the overgrown trees were disregarded, he did not care, and it became brownfield. However, we as residents, if we'd have owned it, we would have managed it as green space. So now, here we are again, facing the company bearing the Camstead name. Not even a local company. So how can they even begin to understand or care about the locality? As a business, their only care is the financial gains. Throughout this whole application, they have chosen not to consider the residents. Indeed, all we asked for was a dialogue to clarify right-of-way over our road. Instead, and for the record, we have received an aggressive and threatening letter from their solicitor. This bullying behaviour does nothing to win the support of the residents. Sadly, it seems care and consideration does not appear to be part of planning regulations either. And if only some care and consideration for a, a proper dialogue had been employed at the beginning of this whole proposal, it would be 90% certain we would not be sitting here now. However, the knife has already been stuck in by approving inappropriate development of four houses on the site. Please don't twist the knife anymore with this myth, <coughs> taking away garden, not brownfield site. Enough is enough. This is overdevelopment. Oh, and when the scheme does get started, we hope that Camstead might just show some consideration to the residents by communicating about their anticipated use of our private road and their working hours. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Ms. Butler. Um, I have Mr. Don Proctor, the agent. Follow that one. Thank you, Chair. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't normally respond to uh, previous speakers, but I think some of those comments were a bit disingenuous, to say the least. Um, but I don't have 20 minutes to go through them. Um, I can assure the Speaker that care has been taken in the rationale behind this scheme and behind the scheme and its design per se. Um, I can also explain, I won't bore you with planning terminology, but this site is brownfield, 
in terms of the planning designation of the site, i.e. already developed site. This is a brownfield site. Um, I don't think I really need to comment on anything else, for obvious reasons. So really, I only have a few words to say in support of the application, which I consider to be fairly straightforward. As Mr. Brown's pointed out, committee did approve the scheme a number of months ago for four dwellings. My clients have had the good fortune in being able to acquire some additional land at the eastern end of the site, which now enables them to provide one additional dwelling, and hence this application. The eastern end of the scheme has been reconfigured, as you will see, to accommodate this additional dwelling, but all else remains as approved. What we've done in practical terms is simply moved the approved end dwelling at the eastern end onto the new land and slotted a new dwelling into the space created. The originally approved plots one, two, and three, as you can see up there, at the western end remain unchanged. To allay some concerns that have been expressed and I've seen in correspondence from residents, I can confirm that the access design and location for this scheme are identical in all respects to those approved. Given dwelling to dwelling distances and site levels, we do not believe this proposal for one additional dwelling will have any adverse effect on residential amenity. You will have seen conservation issues raised. The new dwelling is some 80 metres or more to the east of the nearest part of the conservation area. There are no highways objections to the proposals and we do not believe that traffic generation from one additional dwelling will have any adverse effect on highway safety or convenience. The design for the new dwelling reflects those approved previously. The new plot is generous in terms of its amenity space and all parking standards on the revised scheme are met in full. Can I also confirm, as this is alluded to in your committee report, that my clients, i.e. the applicants, will meet the affordable housing requirements arising from this development in accordance with your policy. So I hope, ladies and gentlemen, that you'll feel able to uh, approve this scheme as recommended. As I say, it is a brownfield site, it's within the urban area, and there is very strong policy support, as you are aware. The principle of residential development here has already been established. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Proctor. Okay, we have no other speakers, so over to you, committee, for your comments. Uh, Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. Thank um, you. you the, the committee will remember from last time that I was concerned about the, uh, the scale of this um, development as it, as it first stood, along with the, the difficulty of the uh, access. And um, this, this obviously, further, to my mind, further exacerbates the problem, and I, I would very, very strongly uh, object to it. It's, it's, a, it's a very strange situation, not a planning matter, but uh, I will mention it here. I think, I think that the residents, could they actually get together and mount a proper legal case, could, could stop this, it being a private road. I understand they... Um, uh, they seem unable to do that, but uh, for, for the sake of, of um, the, the peace of the, of, the, of the residents there and their way of life, I would strongly exhort them, if they, if they can in some ways get together, to, uh, 
to, to fight that, I think it would be wholly appropriate. However, on pure, purely planning matters, I think setting that aside, it is overdevelopment. I would strongly, strongly object to it. Okay. Um, anybody else? Councillor Freeman. Yes, thank you, Chairman. I support my colleague. And I would also draw the committee's attention to page 144, the 9.1, the Conservation Officer's Report, which is extensive. <coughs> Uh, and the conservation officer notes in the final two paragraphs that Ridge Heights, the properties, despite the topography, would be known to be higher than the bridge itself, significant impact upon the character of the site, the conservation area, and the existing dwellings. And the conservation goes on to conservation officer goes on uh, to point out that uh, the application is considered contrary to paragraphs 128134 of the NPPF 2012 and policy end one uh, of 2005 and should therefore be refused. Uh, now it is a done deal in the sense that there's going to be four dwellings there. However, the point is this is a, a railway cutting. It's quite a deep one. Uh, and there will be literally well, hundreds and possibly thousands of cubic metres of soil that will have to be lorried in there. Uh, in order to bring the slab levels up to something comparable with Farmerdine Grove. And the community will certainly notice that. If you just do a quick sum, you realise that there are many, many truckloads of soil which is somehow going to have to find its way into that. And I think this is a very good example of where, amongst the conditions, you should restrict the hours of working because it will have a big impact on the committee, on, on the community. Access to the site is difficult. There'll be a haul road of some sort put in. We all know what haul roads look like. There'll be very big trucks, because if you're moving soil, we use four axle trucks. You don't use arctics, you use something very substantial. And it would be impossible to ignore the fact that this railway cutting is being filled in. So we can't stop this development, but I think that we should be very certain that the development, even if it was just four houses, is strictly controlled to minimise impact on the school next door uh, and the residents of which there are 20 odd dwellings. Uh, and I shall, I'm opposed to this, I was opposed to it in the first instance, I shall oppose this. I haven't seen a good reason for putting an extra house in there, but I think it's an excellent opportunity for us to put a, a very firm box around the conditions under which the developer can operate, and I look to this committee to do that. Chairman, we'd love you to come back on yeah. that. Notwithstanding your objections to the application proposed, um, the you know I've, I've still got my fingers over my nose from the construction management plan from earlier in the in the day. Um, this again is one of those ones that is going to be a challenge for the developer, and it's going to be a challenge for the residents in terms of going forward. And so, therefore, I would suggest that much is the construction management plan um, is put on as additional condition. I'm looking again at the developer this way. We need some engagement before any work start on site. We also have a school next door as well, and um, I would seriously suggest that the head of the school is also involved in, in any in early initiation meeting. So I, I think this is going to be a challengeable site going forward. So again, I'm happy to add the construction management plan with all the necessary caveats that we put in there. Uh, thank you, Mr. Brown. Uh, anybody else? Before I put my two penny thing. Okay. Um, I think, as the committee is aware, policy is against us here as a brownfield site. I, I, I don't see that we can easily resist the development or the extension of this development in this manner. Um, 
I take your point, Councillor Freeman, about the construction <coughs> methodology. I suspect that there will be a ramp down and there won't be so much dirt coming out of there as you think. Uh, they'll use concrete rafts, but whatever method. Anyway, yeah. Um, I have, if there's no further comments, we have a recommendation for approval. Um, proposal from Councillor Chambers? Yes, sir. Okay, proposal from Councillor Chambers. Anybody willing to second that? Councillor Hicks to second. All those in favour of development, please show. I have five, four. All those against? Three. That application is approved. Thank you very much, Mr Brown. And we return to Mr Tyler for New Kestrel House Parsonage Farm Stansted, UTT 17 2887. The application site relates to a modern office building located in the M11 Link Business Park in Stansted Mount Pitchett. The building is to the south of the site and accessed by Parsonage Lanes. The site is mainly landscaped with a small amount of hedgerow and includes off-street parking. These photos show the site. Um, the proposal is in relation to the variation of conditions imposed on the original application that approved the business park. The condition relates to the approved plans, landscaping and parking details. The variation of these conditions is to increase the parking spaces from 17 to 24 and to reduce off-street parking, sorry, on-street parking. This will include the removal part of the boundary landscaping and reconfiguration of the parking layout within the site. So this shows the existing parking layout. Uh, this shows the proposed parking layout. So it will be uh, removing part of the hedgerow here and making use of the two uh, areas here and here. Uh, no objections have been received, however the Parish Council has made comments in regard to the disabled parking that it should be moved close to the building. However, the proposal does not include any revisions to the disabled parking, only for the provision of further parking spaces within the site. This shows the uh, existing disabled parking here. Um, the assessment of the application, the variation of conditions will result in the removal of the small boundary landscape uh, to the east of the site, reconfiguration of the parking layout is to provide seven new spaces. No objections were raised by the Highways Authority. The loss of the small landscaping feature will not cause any significant harm to the character of the site. The Council's landscape officer has been consulted and no objections have been raised. The proposed parking layout will not raise in any harmful visual impact to the site or its surroundings. It's therefore recommended for approval, subject to conditions. <coughs> Thank you, Mr Tyler. Um, we have no speakers on this matter, so straight over to the committee. Councillor Wells. Um, can we condition or send an advisory about moving disabled parking? And this time, I'm happy to propose a recommendation. Mr Brown? We can put an informative on yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that's a good idea. We'll put an informant in on it. Uh, Councillor Chair, that's where your point. Okay. Uh, does that find a proposer? Yes, Councillor Wells? Yeah, happy to propose. Councillor Gerrard, happy to second. All those in favour, please show. That's unanimous. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Um, Moving on. UTT 17-2704, Campions, Saffron, Morden. And we have two speakers. I will take Councillor Ralph first. Sorry, oh, you've got to present it first. Sorry, Manuel. I'm getting in front of myself. Good afternoon, Councillor. Uh, this is the application site here, and uh, it's an extension of existing garage workshop block to include office and three big garage with log store. Uh, members must probably be familiar with the site following the services today. This is the existing floor plan and I'm going to compare this with the proposed floor plan to show the extension. This is the existing elevation and this is the proposed floor plan. This is the extension we are talking about here. <coughs> and this is also the part of the extension here. Now, the issue of this application is whether it's going to harm the amenity of adjoining occupier. In your officer's opinion, the answer is no. And whether it's going to have an impact on traffic, in your officer's opinion, the answer is no. Now, considering that the site is served is within the cottage of two listed buildings, the main house, which is grade two listed, and the bank. The conservation officer took a view that the scale and massing of this particular extension is considered excessive. As a result of that, it's contrary or in conflict with policy, I mean, paragraph 132 of national policy uh, framework and the adopt, uh, policy EMV2 of the adopted local plan. On balance, the application is actually refused on those grounds. That is going to harm the setting of the nearby listed building. That is the recommendation for this application. Thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Emmanuel. Uh, we have two speakers. Councillor Rolf, you have five minutes. Good afternoon, Chairman and members of the Planning Committee. Uh, I probably won't need five minutes. Um, first of all, let me begin by um, expressing my respect for uh, both the conservation officers and the principal of conserving our heritage. Uh, but on this uh, rare occasion, I beg to differ with the decision, uh, as indeed do the parish council, uh, who have no objection. And I don't believe there are any complaints from neighbors either. Um, the reasons for my uh, <coughs> disagreement on this occasion are, are threefold. Um, the first is proportionality. Um, I think uh, members of the committee have seen the site. Uh, it is a large house uh, that has been extended. Uh, it's a very substantive garden. And um, members, I think, will be aware that in a map of uh, dating back to 1912, 
uh, there were considerably more outbuildings than are proposed today. Now, it may be that uh, something that happened in 1912 is not especially relevant now, but nevertheless, I think it's, uh, th th there is a precedent that uh, may be of interest to members. Uh, and my next two points, uh, Chairman, chime, I think, with the UDC's uh, own objectives. The first is sustainability. Um, <coughs> the, um, the applicant, uh, Mr Rutherford, uh, owns an electric car uh, which needs to be garaged. I think we should uh, recognise that. And, and also the working from home, uh, something that we are encouraging generally throughout Uttlesford, I think is another important point. And, and finally, the materials uh, and um, design which uh, are in keeping with uh, the building of, uh, and the setting of that, uh, of that type. Finally, uh, 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 committee, um, practicality and community support. Um, the Rutherfords have a lot to store, uh, and at the moment, uh, run, running grounds of that size, uh, there, is, there is a lot of kit which, which does need to be housed. But in terms of community support, and again something that we are particularly keen to encourage, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rutherford uh, offer their home for the village fate, and I have to say it's a very excellent one. Uh, it raises uh, a lot of money for good causes. They open their grounds for open gardens uh, and more. And um, there is an offer, if, if this application was successful, to house much of the kit that goes into that. And I think, again, uh, uh, this kind of community engagement is something that we should note and recognise. So for those reasons, uh, as I say, on this rare occasion, I do disagree with the Conservation Officers. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Councillor Ralph. Um, and I think the, uh, Mr Rutherford is going to speak. The applicant. Mr Rutherford, you have three minutes. Uh, I just want to thank everyone for coming over to view my home today. And uh, thanks to thank, uh, Councillor Rolf for his words. He's pretty much covered all the things I've written down and gone through. Um, one of the slightly I wanted to, to add um, regarding the ecology report. There was an issue with that last time. Uh, my understanding that um, there are newts on the site. If there were to be approval, then there should be added to any building regulations. Um, apart from that, it's pretty much covered. To say, um, to thank again for coming. Thank you, Mr. Rutherford. Members of the committee, over to you. <laughs> Councillor Freeman, then. Chambers, then Lemon. Yes, thank you, Chairman. And Lodge. I'm all in favour of newts. I'm very much in favour of electric vehicles. And I love 15th century houses, so I mean, this does tick all the boxes. Lovely garden as well. Um, so I don't have any problems at all with this application approving it, uh, despite the recommendation, officer's recommendation to the contrary. Um, uh, what more can one say? Uh, I, I, I don't have any difficulties with it. There were quite a lot of vehicles parked outside, I noticed. But I suspect they might still be parked outside even after this has been built. But even so, that's for the future. I think that the approach has been um, elegant, shall we say. <coughs> okay. Uh, Councillor Chambers. Uh, Mr Chairman, I'm, I'm a bit concerned uh, in as much as 
Um, I'd like to know a little bit, have a little bit more in depth about why the officers were refusing it. But one of the things when Councillor Rolfe was speaking, uh, and I don't doubt that Mr Rutherford is uh, at the heart of the community and does an awful lot, but each community has people like that, very fortunately. That is not a planning reason to uh, go against what is obviously um, quite a difficult decision for the officers, but one of which I'm sure they didn't come to lightly. So I'm just a little bit concerned that... Uh, how can I put it? I can understand why Mr Rutherford wants to extend it. The extension seems to be rather large. If he were to put in an application for a smaller um, extension, would that be more acceptable? Can I ask um, Mr Brown? Uh, the, um, the conservation officers, I think, are generally concerned about the excessive nature of the extension to an outbuilding. And um, I think, um, and I emphasise what Emmanuel's last, one of the last words he said before, he, it's a balanced recommendation of approval. It is balanced. Um, we have a conservation officer who's, and we need to respect that as comment for refusal. Sorry, recommending, it's balanced recommendation of refusal. Um, there is harm caused by this. Um, you look around and there are, you know, you've got a very, you've got a large ground, you've got a barn, which is listed in its own right. You've got an existing workshop, which is quite substantial in its own right, and to increase it. And so I think generally the conservation officer's view was, is a bit much. Now, there is an argument, have we already crossed that line anyway, in terms of what's already on the site? And so therefore, is the harm already being created if there is any harm? The other rules over the harm, and I've learned a lot about this proposal simply by sitting here this afternoon now. So part of it, if there is considered to be harm from this, is it outweighed for the public benefit? And, um, and so having storage areas for, um, for fates, etc., etc., in itself could be considered if members want to consider that. First of all, they need to accept, is there harm from it? If they don't think there's harm from it, then we don't need to go to the second stage. But even if you accept that there may be harm from it, does the public benefit that's been brought about this outweigh that issue? And, uh, you know, and if members are going to move to approve this, I'm, I'm going to suggest conditions. But, uh, so it's but the conservation officers just probably thinking probably there's a bit much going on there in terms of outbuildings. It's as simple as that really. And members can make their own judgment simply by looking at the site in the context of the grounds that we already have. Sorry. I think I think Mr. Brown answered my question and, and the answer would have been yes, if he comes with a smaller extension he'd probably be uh, a straightforward approval. No, I actually can't guarantee that, you see, because you by, by extending an existing outbuilding, you're still adding existing outbuildings to the prop. So, so I'm not actually saying a smaller outbuilding would necessarily be well, what's smaller. It could be so small it's pointless at the end of the day. So that, that's, that's why I'm, I'm not... <laughs> you're, you're waffling. Uh, yeah. Councillor Lemon. Yes, thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, my, my only concern is that the, the proposal is for a three-bay garage which locks off. Well, a garage to me is something you park a car in. Um, the existing three-bay garages didn't seem to have any cars in that they were almost a workshop, though maybe there was a tractor. <coughs> my concern is will this be used as a workshop and not actually as a garage and take cars off the drive that was in there? I think there was one car parked inside, but uh, along with the other machinery. Anyway, um, I think we went to uh, 
Councillor Hicks and Councillor Lodger. Thank you, Chairman. Um, during the site visit this morning, uh, I heard it uh, mentioned that one of the reasons for um, the site visit itself um, was to consider impact on the street scene. That, to me, was uh, ludicrous. There was negligible uh, impact on the street scene, in my view, from the location of, of this proposed development. And it, indeed, at the same time, I, I came to the conclusion that uh, an addition of a cart lodge of this type um, and size in the proposed situation would have no de detrimental effect on the listing buildings adjacent. <coughs> and, uh, so I could see no reason whatever for, um, for refusing the application. Okay, 19. Uh, Councillor Lodge. In Mr. Rutherford's letter, he mentioned that the Conservation Office had not visited the site. I wondered if that was correct. Emmanuel? As a planning officer, I visited this site. I took my photographs and um, I normally, when I'm going on site, this sort of application, I don't normally notify the Conservation Officer, but I will assume he's, she's supposed to have conducted a site visit. But she has her own style of doing some of these things, either through Google or through the submission of uh, photographs. And I think, again, historically, Barbara is somebody who has a very full detailed knowledge of most of the listed buildings in this district. And I don't doubt her knowledge on that. So the answer is no and disturbing. Um, I, don't, I, did but I, have say, yeah. I have to say that I, I, I have no, no objection to this and I, I will support it. Can I just, okay. can I just confirm this? It, she might not have visited the site for, the, for this particular application, but I can guarantee she would have been to this site uh, because of her extensive knowledge of the proposals and, and, and understanding. The applicant is nodding, so uh, he's aware of that. Okay, Councillor Gerard. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yes, having seen the site this morning, certainly um, as far as street impact, I would agree with Councillor Hicks that there, there was negligible impact from the entrance to, to the driveway from the, from the street. A lot of tree coverage. Certainly, the the elevation of the extension would be virtually the same as the current uh, elevation of the existing building. The scale of the of the land, of the site, of the driveway, of the house, of the barn is substantial. And I think putting it in context, and um, certainly I know that Councillor Chambers wasn't there, but putting it in context, I, I can see actually no reason why there is any um, bulk issue here. Um, it, it is actually virtually basically replicating what is currently almost mirroring again what is already there possibly marginally more, maybe an extra 60%, um, uh, sorry, maybe an extra 10% on what is already there um, in addition. But I think it's a very tasteful extension. My, my only concern would be if there should be a condition in terms of use. I think we had a discussion earlier on about possibly whether one needs to do that um, in terms of how it is used. Uh, but in principle, I have no objection to it. Councillor Wells? Yes, um, Mr. Brown.
suggest that he might condition it if we were minded to approve. Could you just elaborate what that might be? First of all, I'll add an extra boring bit. If members are mindful, and I'm getting the feeling here, if members are mindful to approve this, they have to put it, they have to give us a good reason why they're going against officer recommendation. I'll save you the trouble. Councillor Hicks and Councillor Gerard have just put that very eloquently in terms of the, the you know, both in terms of the lack of impact on the street scene and what you've said that and also you've also said proportionality is back to what Councillor Rolf said very at the very beginning of this. You know, in, in the context of what you've actually got, it's probably that, in your view, that's why you've approved it. So you have to tick that box before you approve things against officer recommendation because they're challengeable. In terms of suggesting conditions, they're quite simple. Uh, first of all, I would suggest we just have a condition over materials, just to make sure the materials are appropriate. And secondly, I would also suggest, um, Mr Rutherford also picked up, the ecology has been mopped up, the ecology has been sorted out, and the ecologist has suggested uh, suitable conditions, which is basically mitigation conditions, and if it's around news, there have been some detailed conditions that we can put on. So just ecology and just materials and there's nothing else. And in terms of ongoing uses, there's not necessary to put a condition on to restrict the usage of the site. Um, there's, no, there's no question or any ulterior motive for these outbuildings were disproportionate. If there was any request for this to become a dwelling or a workshop or a shop or whatever, Mr Rutherford would have to require planning permission for it. So it's not necessary to put a condition on it and we don't need to preempt what anything else could happen in the future. So just conditions in the college will do the job. Councillor Chambers. Thank you, Mr Chairman. Having heard uh, everybody that said, uh, and I do know the site very well myself, uh, Mr Chairman, because it used to be in my patch in the County Council. It isn't now, but it used to be. Um, I'm quite happy to uh, put forward uh, approval. Uh, recommend for approval. Okay. Does that find a seconder? I've got lots of those. All right, Councillor Jared in this instance. Um, just before we go to the vote, I mean, I, I'm also supportive of this, although I maybe wouldn't have had the office there, but uh, as a classic car collector, I can't but not vote for this. So, uh, uh, under those circumstances, all those in favour of an approval of this application, please show. I have a unanimous approval. Thank you very much. And the final item for today, UTT 17 56 London Road, Saffron Walden. And Mr Brown will be speaking as Rosemary Clark. Yeah. Uh, the lodge application, which is the what is now the police station within the um, within the curtilage of what is now a listed building, technicality, they want to put some um, CCTV cameras on that building. They've actually put them on there, um, so so therefore, uh, with my apparently it was is of absolutely critical international importance that they put them on there before Christmas. They put them on there before Christmas at their own risk. In reality, the conservation officer has no objections to them. In reality. Uh, in terms of, in bearing in mind, we've got them on the actual list of building itself, so their recommendation is for approval, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Yeah. Proposed before I had the words out of my mouth. Seconded by Mr. Gerard. All those in favour, please show. Unanimous approval for that one, Elizabeth. And that concludes the business, I think, for today, Mr. Brown. One reminder, all members, training session on the 9th of January, I believe five till eight. Five till eight, yes. Which I would really like everybody to attend because we are 
looking at several sections collected together. So, uh, Councillor Higgs. Just a point I wanted to raise, Chairman, before the meeting closes, and that is um, I did find a number of the um, visual displays that we, um, we had before us today were very, uh, were quite useless to me. I couldn't read them, couldn't see them. And uh, whether anything can be yeah. done to improve I'll, those... I'll, I'll take your point offline with a few things like the trees, the thatch and things like that where we couldn't tell where we were. And uh, I, I do take your point, and I'll have a chat with Mr. Brown about uh, certain aspects of presentation. Thank you. Councillor Lodge. Not the meeting, but some of us have meetings following straight on from that. On the 9th? Uh, yes, I will. that will be provided. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Brown has that within his remit. Uh, th thank you very much, and I wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And we will see you all on the 9th. Or on the third, actually. Uh, but, uh, thank you, Mr.
Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know one of them was that in Cambridge. Where was the other one from? Was it local? Sorry. <laughs> Good, isn't well, it? Mm. Was it well, one yeah. was into 40,000 and the other one was known to
Thanks, Chris. You're tidying up, Judy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Bye.